Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to the Andy Social Podcast. My name is Andy Dowling, and this week's shout out, straight into it, folks. Each and every week, I thank somebody that supports me, supports the band, Lord. Um, it could be either of the podcasts, whether it be Andy Social or Self Starter. Um, and it can be a range of different ways. It could be messages of encouragement. It could be buying some merchandise. It could be shouting me a beer via the PayPal button over at andysocial.net. It could be leaving a review somewhere on the internet. It could be a bit of social media love. You know the drill. Whatever it is, small, big, it all adds up and it helps me so much uh, to keep me fueled, keep me inspired and motivated. So thank you so much to everybody that continues to do it. This week's shout out, however, is for Bradley Cross from Mount Isa in Queensland, Australia, for you international listeners. I don't know if I know anybody else from Mount Isa that's listening to this podcast. So Bradley, you'll have to, you'll have to fill me in. Is there other people out there? Is there a bit of a little, is there a group out there in Mount Isa that's listening to this podcast? If so, um, please let me know. But um, so cool to see this podcast reaching a lot of regional areas. I think um, there's a lot of value um, for this podcast to reach a lot of people that aren't in the big metro areas. Um, you guys know, especially through Self Starter, that I have a bit of a passion for the, the regional parts of this country. And so it's cool just to see this podcast getting out there and, and reaching more and more people. So um, a shout out to Bradley because Bradley bought a T-shirt um, you know, not too long ago. And um, I, I really have to put it on public record by saying thank you for the support. Um, and I've added a couple of extra things when I sent that out to you as well, just a bit of a thank you. But please, when you hear this as well, shoot me a message and I'm going to send you out something in the post. I've got a bunch of uh, really cool things. I've been getting a lot of... Uh, you know, freebies from listeners of the podcast. So some of you folk that have been listening for a while will know that there's been some uh, great musicians across this country of ours that have been uh, donating some CDs for giveaways. I'm going to do a few more sort of prize packs and raffles and oh, I don't know, whatever it might be later on down the track. Uh, but I'd have a lot of really cool freebie stuff and things that I'm going to give away. So I'm going to send you out something in the post as well, Bradley. But thank you so much for your support and thank you to everybody else that continues to support me and everything that I'm involved with. Cheers. Hey folks, guess what? I also play bass in the Australian metal band Lord. <laughs> surprise, surprise. You can go to lord.net.au if you want to get a taste of what we are all about. It's just a bit of old school heavy metal in my opinion. Um, we've got a fantastic website where it's got links to all of our merchandise, streaming music, uh, our video clips, our history. There's just so much stuff there. So much great content. One of the better band websites out there in my biased opinion. Go and check it out. Size it up against your website. Tell me yours is better. I dare you. <laughs> Lord.net.au. Go and have a look. In addition to playing in a heavy metal band, I also host the Self Starter Podcast, which is all about small business, self-employment, and freelancing. So if you want to earn a little bit of uh, pocket money on the side of your normal job, or you hate your job and you want to get out of your job, or maybe you're just starting or you own your own small business, uh, Self Starter could be for you. So I have a fortnightly podcast that comes out. I've also got a blog as well, lots of resources. It's something that I feel very passionate about. I'm really, really happy with the success that it's had to date. Um, I've been a finalist for podcast awards um, in the National Sound Archive in Canberra for Self Starter. Just some really great accolades so far in such a short space of time. And I could not have done it without my anti-social legion of friends that have jumped over to Self Starter and helped me uh, through that channel as well. So selfstarter.com.au, search for Self Starter in the podcast player that you're listening to, uh, listening to this through right now. And if it's not there, please let me know because I'm trying to spread it all over the internet. So thank you very much. Lord.net.au, sellstarter.com.au. Thank you very much, folks. Here is your metal plug. Plug, plug, plug. 
If any of you folks are going to the upcoming Dragonland Australian tour, Dragonland are a power metal band from Sweden. I think you guys probably worked that out by now. Um, it's their first ever time coming to Australia, and they're going to be here for a few dates um, in the first week of September, uh, which I think by the time you're listening to this will be next week, possibly. Uh, I'll have 25 exclusive laminates that are going to um, have the Dragonland tour artwork on there. And it's also going to be branded anti-social as well for you guys. Um, I have 25 of them available. No more are going to be printed. You can get them signed by the band. It's a cool little souvenir, cool little memento. It doesn't give you any privileged access. There's no VIP access with it. Um, but it's just something that a lot of other people won't have. So it's a cool little extra uh, thing to have in your collection. Um, if you want one of these, all you have to do is contact Stu from Stormrider Touring, which who is actually on this episode, so stay tuned. Uh, Stu can be contacted by emailing stormriderfestival at live.com.au. If you haven't got tickets yet, you can go to stormridertouring.com.au slash tickets. All you need to do is when you do email Stu, just give him proof of purchase that you bought a ticket and which show you're going to, and then he will work out with you, coordinate it if there's any left, any of these passes left, of um, how to collect your pass. And more than likely, it'll just be at the door on the night, but I'll let Stu manage that with you guys. But hopefully there's still uh, something available for you guys. Anybody that's a last minute Larry and hasn't got their pass or their ticket yet, hopefully there's still a pass available for you folk. But only 25, there are no extras being printed. So it's just a cool little memento, a cool little exclusive for you guys. I'm not publicizing this anywhere else. It's literally only for people that are willing to cop my voice in these intros. So if you're you're listening to me, you're being very patient. Thank you so much. And uh, please shoot uh, Stu an email and uh, give him all the details and he'll hook you up with one of these passes if there's any left. If you want to see Dragonland, and you're curious as to when they're actually touring, they're going to be here in the first week of September, which I believe will be next week when you're listening to this. It begins on Tuesday the 4th of September with a meet and greet at Utopia Records in Sydney. I think that's about 4 or 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, Then the actual tour kicks off the next day, Wednesday the 5th of September at the basement in Canberra, Thursday the 6th at the Ballface Stag in Sydney, Friday the 7th at Crowbar in Brisbane, and then Saturday the 8th of September at the Croxton Band Room in Melbourne. If you want to know more about those shows, the support bands, the lineups, there's some some pretty hefty lineups, especially that Melbourne one. That Melbourne one is jam-packed with talent. So um, go over to stormridertouring.com.au slash tickets. All the lineup information, all the ticket information, um, links to Dragonland, everything. I mean, you can check out the previous show notes of this podcast as well. There's heaps of links to Dragonland if you haven't checked out their music yet and you want to make a last-minute decision. Um, Yeah, plenty of resources there. Uh, So if you're interested, hopefully there's a a laminate left for you guys. And um, yeah, awesome. This week's episode, folks, is with your old friend, Stu McGill. I know many of you know Stu very well. I've known him for quite a few years. Stu, if you haven't met him before, is the uh, founding member, guitarist in Silent Night, which is a power metal band from Perth. And if you know the Australian metal scene, power metal and Perth don't quite go together, <laughs> which we'll, we'll get into later on in the chat. But um, a really cool band, um, and Stu's really, really passionate about melodic metal and power metal, and you'll hear that in our, in our conversation. And he's such a cool guy. Um, he also runs Stormrider Touring, um, which is him putting on his own shows. We talk about how that all came to be. Um, and he's doing his first international tour, which is the Dragonland tour, which you've heard me plug numerous times over the last several weeks. Um, so we talk a lot about that tour and how that came to be, which is a really cool story. It involves me, which I forgot all about. Um, and he's also got another little project that he's created called 
advantage which is all about little tips and tools and tricks for bands um you know i'm i'm big on diy music um you know self-managed uh things i think we live in a world now where uh, musicians have to learn a whole range of additional skill sets not just be musicians um and I can understand there's pros and cons associated with that, but I think it's fantastic to be able to be upskilled in a number of different areas. And what Stu's doing is creating this um, resource for musicians to be able to learn really simple things that can help their band, um, you know, take it to that next level. Um, so if you want to check out more, I'm going to put all, everything in the show notes over at andysocial.net, but you can go to Advantage. So, you know, you like the pun there. It's A-D-B-A-N-D-T-A-G-E.com. Um, if you want to check that out, it's also on Facebook as well. You can go to Silent Nights, which I don't know if Silent Nights actually got their proper domain. I shouldn't say proper, but their domain, I forgot to ask him about this. It's powermetalsupreme.com, which is the name of one of their releases. Um, so you can go there. Silent Night is also on uh, Facebook, and that's Night, K-N-I-G-H-T, which you'll see anyway, you're listening to this podcast. Or if you want to check out Stormrider Touring, you can go to stormridertouring.com.au. But as always... All of the links, I'm going to have videos and music and all the sort of stuff in the show notes, as with every episode of the Andy Social Podcast, so you can go over there and check it out. But enough of me. Please enjoy this fantastic chat with Stu McGill of Silent Night, Stormrider Touring, and Advantage. First things first, I've got to say, I'm really impressed with your BuzzFeed headline that you put up a little while ago with your Advantage page, where oh, yeah. it was like, you can impress any promoter with this one simple trick. And I oh, you like that one, did you? Yeah, well, I only just saw it this morning because I was having a bit of a sticky beak around. I thought, oh, well, I better click on this link then to find out what it is. And I thought, damn it, he sucked me in straight away. So, well done on the clickbait oh, headline. Bro. And um, the little tip that's in there um, is actually a really good one that I only found out about about a week ago as well. So um, It's hell frustrating when you don't use it, man. It's like, oh, you were upsetting me for not using it, and now, now you can impress me and everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> think, about how, think about how poor Dave Balfour feels when you're gigging at Steel Assassins and you haven't added the event to uh, to your page yet, right? Well, yeah, and I think, I mean, in the past, what I always did was I would create a separate event based off, you know, the band's created one. And so there's yeah. 50 million different event pages for the same event, which, you know, some people might go, well, that's good because it, you can find it in a whole range of different ways, but it's hard to send updates or a new message out to everybody if there's 50 million different event pages for the one the one show. That's right. And also, I think um, it's hard to gauge you know, from the venue and promoter's point of view, like maybe what the attendance might be like. So it's like, you know, there might be, 10 pages with all like 50 individual people that don't know about the other pages. So all of a sudden you got 500 people showing up and they've got security for 100 and bar staff for 100. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. know. I just think it's good. Anyway, that, 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 that's one of my poorer ones. I think I just, I, I, I deliberately did it as a Buzzfeed, like your sort of what you're saying, just for a laugh to see what actually would happen. But I was since that, that page has such low numbers anyway, but uh, we'll see if this actually boosts it. But um, I think that was maybe the first post I actually did on that. I just reposted it recently. It's um, it, it's one of those things where it'll show up in the months and years to come. It'll just show up in a, in a like an SEO result somewhere, like on Google. Someone's typing for something, or they'll find it sitting in a news feed somewhere, and then suddenly you never know. It could go viral, and then suddenly everyone's sharing it around. Well, that um, that T-shirt one I did last weekend. That's getting picked up by all sorts of weird sites I've never even heard of, and like so that uh, I just did the one sort of initial post on that, and that's every uh, every other day there's a few shares from. You know, random places. So, you know, like one was like I don't know, ABC, like or something like like the the 
station or something like that. Like someone's, I don't, I don't know how it works, but it's good. It's like, you know, helping out people when we can. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not like it's a full-time job for me. It's just when I get five seconds spare, like, oh, I've got that idea. I really got to write down. Cause I'll, I'll, you know, sometimes you know, people will ask me about these things and, I'm like, oh, I can type it out again. Fuck's sake. Like, you know, <laughs> if I put it all in one, a resource in all in one spot, then at least I could just chuck a quick link on, you know, on someone's um, messenger or whatever. And, and then I could just walk away. It's done. It's explained once properly, you know. And, and you don't have to worry about trying to type it out the same way you did the last time. To, you know, you, you might miss a key piece of information that you told one guy in the past and then you forgot to tell the next person. And then it's, it's a bit of Chinese. Whistle, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, oh, I think one of those things, like, you know, I mean, we're both in the same sort of, you know, the same same sort of domain where we we both are pretty DIY and we do a lot of sort of groundwork with our bands and sort of, you know, it's, it's very self-managed and we sort of just, you know, we we create what we've got uh, with, what, with what we've got at our fingertips. But, um, you know, I think what a lot of bands don't do is they don't communicate how these things happen. So we... I think a lot of bands sort of sit behind the curtain and like the the element of mystery. And when everyone goes, oh, wow, that's amazing, you go, well, of course it is. And you don't tell them why or how you got to that point. And so I think what you're doing with this is really cool because there's, there's a lot of simple things that people just gloss over and they don't realise. And it could actually help everybody. And it all comes back in, it all comes back tenfold as well. Well, it's the thing, like, I always go, oh, yeah, it, it's, there's no right or way, right or wrong way with a lot of things in music, as you know. Like you know, you could do it either way. But I don't know. I'm I'm a dickhead. Like I'll see someone doing something, and like oh, just keep your mouth shut, man. And then I'll be like, <laughs> oh, but you you could really be doing it better. But don't. And then but the other voice in the head's like, no, no, shut up. Just, just let them do it. Like, like let them do their own way. You don't know. And then like, but then some people like sort of like younger bands. Like I just remember what it was like when I, like, I learned everything. I could from myself. I, I, I was, I asked questions and I watched and I sort of had some good ideas, I think in the beginning, but then some other guys sort of came to me and said, Oh, how did you get on this show? Or how did you do this album? Or how did you do that? So I sort of started doing some casual consulting sort of stuff. Like, you know, cause, um, yeah, like, uh, you know, I use, um, a PR company when we need to for the band and stuff. And, and that's expensive, but it's really beneficial. But, you know, a lot of younger bands were sort of like going, oh, like, I'm not paying that much money for that. Like, do we even going to get anything out of it? So I thought, look, we're trying to ease these guys. Like, I chatted with my PR guy who, you know, who you use. Um, and, and I sort of said, like, well, I might just do, like, a real basic sort of, like, package for some of these guys and just get them their toe in the water and learn how, like, and show them what a press release will do for them or a proper photo shoot will do in a a logo that looks good, you know, like, you know, what format you're supposed to use. And then it sort of just came from that where, like, I just started building resources around that, like, when a new, like, you know, if you're about to play your first album, what the hell do you need to do? So mm. it's sort of based, it's sort of mo- mostly targeted at those sort of folks. Um, yeah, like guys like you and, you know, if you put out four or five albums, you, you know it all already. So they probably look at me and you think, oh, this guy's just talking shit. But for the younger guys who haven't done it before or are just about to do it, and, you know, I made so many mistakes, man. Like, it's, it's, we can say if a couple other people from doing it, then that would be good. Well, I think, I mean, I guess the big thing is that no one actually, and you said it before, no one, there's no right, right, right way um, to, to approach any of this stuff. And, you know, there's, there's better ways than others, but, I mean, everyone's got their unique approach of, of how they get to whatever their version of success is. And, I mean, even for us, um, like I look at the, some of the stuff that you post and I look at it and go, oh, 
I never thought of that. Or like, I just, I've, I've always been doing it a different way for so long and thinking, well, that's the best way or the most efficient way of doing something. And sometimes these really simple things or just getting a different perspective or a different insight um, on, you know, a particular function that a band normally does and you take it for granted. And then suddenly someone goes, well, I've been doing it this way for, for the last several years. And you go, huh, all right, or maybe I might tweak something because I think after a while you, you tend to think that you do know it all and all, and you don't, you don't go back and analyze all the simple stuff that you do on a day-to-day basis because it just becomes automatic. And so it's, it's interesting where people start to communicate this stuff a lot more. And for, for you and your approach, like, you know, helping out a lot of younger bands that just have got no idea because it's all new ground and it can be quite overwhelming, um, from a whole range of different reasons. But, um, by you putting it out there in the public domain, I think a lot of other guys are sort of looking at it, from a different perspective and going, Hey, this is really cool because I can go back and sort of start tweaking some things or refining some things. Well, that's right, man. Like, I think it's, it's all about that. And, and like, I've got a couple of blokes, like, you know, I'm, me and you bounce ideas around sometimes and, um, Cabba from claim the throne, him and I have a lot of similar sort of ideas, um, sort of DIY stuff as well. So, uh, or, or maybe dicey as well. Um, and there's a couple of other blokes who we sort of flick messages back and forth like, Oh, Hey, how'd you, how'd you do this? Or are you, have you, like we share, me and Cabo share a lot of, um, you know, like apps, like, or like, oh, hey, have you done this on MailChimp before? Or you'd be like, oh, hey, how about Bluehost? And, or whatever it is, you know, like, um, so it's, it's cool to have a couple of guys outside of your band. Cause like in my band, I do all the organizing, like what you do, would do a lot of the organizing as well. So you sort of like, you know, if it's kept in house with your own band, you start asking opinions, you'll end up with five opinions and you'll never get anything done. Mm. But I've got the freedom to pretty much make decisions on, most stuff, you know, like if it's admin sort of like day-to-day stuff like that, I will just do it without anyone consulting in, within house. But uh, if I find like one of you guys who, you know, who are sort of out there, like, yeah, there's a bloke who's already done it or probably will know more about it than me, then I'll definitely ask. And, and you know, that usually helps out a lot. Just get a little bit of extra information from someone. And yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll try the new one myself and just, hey, hey, this actually worked. And then I'll message those blokes and say, hey, give this a go, you know? It's, um, I think there's something, there's something there where, where you can lean on other people that aren't directly associated with, with your band, where there's not that emotional attachment and that emotional investment in the band. So yeah, like if, if I go to, to the guys in my band and I start throwing a concept out there, then the feedback I'm going to get from them is based off their stake in the band as well. So they're going to be, they're going to be coming at it from, well, how do I fit into this equation? Um, you know, I've got to protect sort of not protect That's probably the wrong word because it sounds so defensive, but you know, we're all holding our ground and we want to make sure that we're being seen to contribute, contribute equally along the way. And so there's a bit of, uh, there's, there's a bit of selfishness that comes from the way that we all sort of give our feedback. And I do it the same when the guys ask me a question. But when you start asking questions to people that are not in the band and they're sort of on the outside looking in, it's a lot more objective. Um, and it's a bit more, well, here are the things that I've tried. I don't really care whether you use them or not because it's up to you and I've got no investment in your band. Um, but uh, here's a whole bunch of ideas to throw at you and, and take what you want. And so then suddenly it, you get the facts and you, you strip away a lot of the emotion. You, st- you tend to get like a lot better, I don't know, a lot better feedback. I mean, it depends on what you're asking and what you're trying to work through. But um, I think just, I, th- I think we, I think there's a lot of people that sort of fear, um, getting outside of your little group 
and asking questions because it drives a perception that you don't know what you're doing or, you know, you, you want to be high, high and mighty and, and know-it-alls. And um, well, I think, I think yeah. you definitely need something you can trust in, in that sort of regard. Like, you know, it's good to have rapport with it yeah, and, and keeping it small. Like, I, get, uh, I, I, I think the big mistake would be like making like, the old Facebook post of you know, something quite sensitive like that. Yeah, you might ask your entire 4,000 friends or you've got probably a 5,000 plus or whatever it is now. Yeah. And then, then you're also like, no one's going to agree because, you know, half of them won't even fucking know because <laughs> oh, <laughs> they man. just want to throw it. Yeah. So like, um, so yeah, it's definitely, you know, for anyone listening who might be thinking about this sort of thing, find, you know, people, uh, what I always thought, people who've already achieved what you want to achieve, find what they do, no, find them, do something similar and you'll probably get similar results, right? So, um, that's, that's what I always like, yeah, even when my band first started, you know, the closest thing I could find to what I wanted to do was dungeon. And then the closest thing to dungeon I could find was Lord. And you would probably remember when we met was like 2009 on the set and stones tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you had, you had two shows over here and I came from both and, and that was like, okay, great. So this is how these guys do this. How can I make this? how can I make a band that can perform these sort of songs in this country and make it work? And then that's sort of where that started. And then we ended up here. So it was good. <laughs> I think it's always, always key to find something you can model off. And then, you know, like you, you can be an original idea, but someone would have done something similar, no doubt, you know? Yeah. And I think just one thing that you mentioned really quickly there, that's probably really important. And it's something that I, this is a weak point uh, for me and something that I need to be a little bit more aware of because it's, it comes from a, from an area of laziness, but I do the, I do the question on Facebook sometimes, Hey, does anybody blah, blah, blah. And it's not so much about a sensitive question or anything like that, but I'm doing that because I'm lazy and I'm doing it because I can't be bothered working out who the best person is to ask. So I think, Oh, I've got, you know, however many thousand people on Facebook. Um, eventually I'll get the answer that I'm looking for. And I just throw it out there into the, into the, the depths of Facebook and 99% of the time you are getting crap back. You're getting stuff that you, you're getting answers from people that you do not want answers from. You're getting opinions, yeah. you're getting people that are then telling their story or um, then they start telling you what you should be doing instead of me asking that question. So suddenly everyone's opinion gets thrown into the mix and you, you're scrolling through it going, Oh, like I do not want to bark any of this whatsoever. And then you get the private messages from people who are starting to weigh in and dig deeper and they're people that you just do not want to talk to. And then you go, um, yeah, well. what, what did I do here? And then you realize that, okay, I was just being lazy to begin with. And there was no need for me to ask that question um, in, in that, in that space. And so sometimes Facebook can be really good because you can, you can throw something out there and you can get people to, you can get feedback. You can get that market research where it's sort of like, tell me something that you're doing or tell me something that uh, you know, you're involved with or something that you like or whatever. And then you get that feedback and then it doesn't matter. Like you can, you can filter through it. But when you're trying to get to a solution and you're trying to work yeah, through a problem, that's when, as you said, you got to find the people that are doing it already and are doing well at whatever that may be and then approaching them and, and asking really direct questions to get to those answers because otherwise it's just it's a lazy approach you're not going to get the the information that you need and it just takes you even longer and it becomes more and more overwhelming as well well who knows what distractions that's going to cause you like especially if you've got something you want to get done today and you'll be getting messages into the next three days if it ever takes off like that you know like so you you sort of like you know instead of 
going direct to like you know, finding someone directly who might take you half an hour to track them down and get a response or something. But also like all those stupid little phone notifications going off. You know, like, oh, I'm just trying to work now. You know, like you know, like yeah, it's just really. So I think there's definitely a line. Like, if you want to find out, you know, who the best t-shirt printer is in Australia because I'm doing a tour there or something, that's a that's an open question. That could be, and you know, that's that's an easy one. But if you want to like like you're saying like you know, specific, who you know, oh okay, I know who's someone who's used this particular thing before i'm gonna go straight to them and at least you know but yeah each of our own it's all mate you know it oh. depends you've got a lot you've got a lot of facebook friends i, I try to keep mine you know around the, a little bit lower but you know i've, I've seen i've seen what goes on in your world mate and uh, i don't think i want to get that far into it but who knows <laughs> <laughs> well i mean the other night i mean this is an example of me like still trying to you know battle my own bad habits but i put a post up on facebook and said something along the lines of um looking, oh, I can't remember how I worded this, but I worded it in a bit of a quirky way, but something along the lines of, I'm looking for, for some slick graphic art that can be done, um, you know, captions over photos and, and you know, blah, 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 um, wanting professional, no MS paint crap or something like that. And, yeah. and, I, and I, I knew as soon as I was typing it that I was being lazy. I knew it. And so I posted it and luckily, and, I, and just out of pure luck, Adrian uh, from Lowe, commented straight away and gave me a link to a website called um, Canva, C-A-N-V-A. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I clicked on it. And as soon as I clicked on it, I went, oh, this is exactly what I need. And I deleted that status straight away. And I messaged oh, him and I, just, and I just go, oh, dude, thank you so much. I deleted that status straight away. And he's just laughing. At, and I said, I should have just gone to you straight away because I knew that like, and Adrian does all, he's been doing my websites and he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes to help me out. And, and I, and I just thought, like, why aren't I going to the people that I normally go to and, and chatting to them and just saying, hey, do you know of any people or do you know any resources that I can utilize for this thing that I need? But instead, I just got lazy and just thought, I'm just going to write a status update and see what happens. And so, <laughs> You but, love the attention, though, mate. Come on, uh, you know you do. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know narcissist. But it's, um, you know, and luckily for that one, I deleted it. But sometimes I'll, I'll put it out there, I'll get the answer, and I'll just leave it go. And exactly what you said. You keep getting notifications. You're getting instant messages from people. You're getting you're getting noise from people that you just don't want to you don't want to interact with. Like they just it, they're just wasting your time. Or it's like, why do you want to do that for? Why don't you do this instead? And it's like, well, that's not the question. You know, like yeah, well, that's a- right. Answer answer the question. Like, I don't need to know anything else. And so then you just realize that oh well, I've I've set myself up to fail here. So it's it's it you know I can blame everyone else for their crappy responses, or I could just blame myself and just realize that there's better ways of doing it no mate well you know like like we said there's no right or wrong way so if you want to if you, if you want to ask five thousand plus people that you go for it okay <laughs> <laughs> if your wife doesn't get, get to see you for a few days because you're on your phone so much then that's just that's too bad for her you know that's her, that's her choice for marrying you <laughs> i need to i need to use these powers for good not for evil that's right mate come on save them up save up your mojo <laughs> um going back to your buzzfeed headline Mm. Um, and the t-shirt thing. I just wanted to touch on both of them really quickly because I think people, and I guess after after we've had this conversation and it goes up, then I'll put links to everything so people can check out um, all the things that you're involved with. But for these two things in particular, because they're really, really good, good examples of simple things that get overlooked, and the two things that I looked at and went, oh, well, I kind of knew half of this, but I didn't really know the whole thing. Um, can we just just dive into both of these things really quickly just yeah, to explain yeah. so people understand and get a bit of a taste of, I guess, what you're doing with Advantage, which 
I love sure. the pun. And I guess where you're hoping to take it as well. So the Facebook event thing. So do you just want to explain that in a little bit more detail? Okay, well, so just in case no one knows what we're talking about, yeah. So, you know, when like a, um, say a, a, a band or a, a venue creates a Facebook page for an event, or an event page, sorry, um, you know, you generally you couldn't, you'd have to make people co hosts and then they would get all the different, they could adjust the event page themselves and they could screw it with you. Um, or they could just not do anything with it because, you know, they're just not bother inviting anyone or whatever. But there's actually a way by using your computer, you can, you know, there's a, it takes like two seconds by clicking a few buttons here and there, which you can't see. It's hidden away. But once you know how to do it, you do it forever, basically. But you jump on your computer, you click this two buttons, and basically you can add it to any page you want. So you don't have to be associated with the gig. You don't even have to be playing at the gig. You can just, um, you know, you can still share it onto any page. So it's really handy for all those sort of... Um, for any band that is on the web, um, fucking hell, any band that is on the gig should be, as soon as they get announced in this, on this page, they should be going ahead, adding it to their events. So that way, say new fans, you know, happens to stumble across your, um, your band and then they're like, oh, 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 no events, no events coming. Oh shit. Okay. Whatever. But then they click on the events. Oh shit. Yeah. They're playing in my city in like a month's time. Hell yeah. Like, you know, it, it just, it just shows each band where they're going to be at what point. It's the same with like the, um, yeah, like the Spotify ones, you, know, you add your add your events onto that as well. But I think you know everyone's always bitching and moaning that no one's showing up to these shows half the time. So if you're not if you're not telling everyone about it, how are they going to know? Well, that's it. And and I mean, as I said, like I found this out through uh, Damien in Melbourne, who puts on a lot of shows down there, and he's putting oh, yeah. on our Melbourne show, uh, the Metal United yeah. Down Under show, and he has a little group chat on Facebook for all the bands that are playing that show. And so he said, guys, everyone needs to do this. And so I'm scrolling through and going, what the hell is he on about? And so then what I realized was, uh, because I use, I've got a, an Apple phone, um, using the Facebook app, it's not actually in the app. You That's right. To, you have to go to, I don't, well, I actually just went to my, my PC on my laptop and did it from there, but I'm not sure whether you can access it through Safari or not, but it's the little three dot thing after the share button which is on the event page. So bands have to actually click onto the event page and then there's three little dots, which is like, you know, more options. And then in there, there's an actual function that says add to page. And then that's when you can physically add it to your band page after that. Because, I mean, I had no idea this existed. And because I use the app all the time, I would never see it either. So I had to get out of the app and then use an alternative way of, of accessing Facebook. But, um, I mean such a massive time saver for me because normally I would have to go, all right, well, I've got to create an event page for Lord and then dump all the information in there. And then obviously if, you know, if any of the guys are updating any of the show details and I'm going to have to go back in and change it. And, um, this is just all streamlined and it, and, it, and I mean, you're going to hate me saying this, but it just goes back to the promoter. <laughs> the promoter can do all the hard work, but it, it, I guess it puts the control back in the promoter to ensure that the right information's there. And I'd rather it be in my hands, man. Like I'd rather that than have someone do a half-assed page and using the wrong images or you know cropping the shit out of it or something. You know, I'd rather it look like that. So that's good. I, 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 that's good. That's yeah. good. So I think um, <laughs> it's just a, it's a great example of something that's so simple that um, you know a lot of people maybe like me who just use an app out of our phone and would never even see this this button, um, not know that it, that it exists. So I think that's just one example of um, you know, some of these really simple tweaks that can make a big difference. Well, that's the thing as well, man. Like, um, 
you know, well, I, I was, I always use the phone as well. I don't like the, the desktop version of Facebook. It's too cluttered. There's so much shit on there. Mm. But, um, I just, I saw these, like, how the hell, like, you know, you go to a, some whatever page and like, how are these people adding the exact same event? Like, or you get a notification. Someone says added a new event. Like, how are these guys doing this? And then like, oh, it's got to be a way. So that's when I jumped on the computer. I found out how to do it. So I thought, oh, I'm going to tell everyone else about this because no one probably knows. <laughs> So did you just type in, in into Google, like, how do you add an event page to my... <laughs> no, no, I, I, I went to an event page. I just picked up, a, yeah, there was a gig coming up of not even, nothing to do with me or whatever. Um, so I just typed in the next one I knew about. And I just looked around the event page and then I saw the three little dots there. And I thought, oh, I'll click on this thing here. And then I thought, oh, add to page. And then when I clicked add to page, I've got a few different pages I could choose from. Mm. So it brought up all, all the pages that you could use, um, you know, I know... Uh, yeah, you might have two bands or whatever. So then you click the one that's applicable, and then the, and I checked and it worked. I thought, oh hell yeah! So that was good. <laughs> it's really good. So it took really it took about one minute of looking after years of not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that's 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 the thing, and I guess I mean, I've probably been reinforcing it multiple times now. But it's just it's these really simple things that everybody like just brushes over because it's. It's it seems so trivial, but they're little things that can make such a massive difference. And when people take the time to, I guess, first find out about it, but then share the information, it just you know it's the gift that keeps on giving. And it's just um, you know I think sometimes people uh, probably fixate a little bit too much on the the more complex aspects of being in a band or you know um, or running a business or anything like that. And it's the really simple things that make make such a big difference. Definitely, man. Um, the other one, your, your t-shirt video. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, I, got, video. I got sucked into this straight away before even clicking on it because I saw this connect four thing or it looked like connect four and I go, <laughs> it's not a connect four no, thing. I know it's not, but I looked at it and went, I go, all right. Um, okay. It looks like Stu's being creative here and, um, you know, the, taking his kids connect four <laughs> and he's got a caption here, which is save a fortune on mailing band shirts with this simple postage hack. And I thought, all right, okay, he's got me. So clicked on the video. So well done on sucking me in straight away with a nice little Excellent, screenshot that. because it was a different photo as well, like as, as far as your thumbnail is concerned. So it got me intrigued and it was a really good video because a lot of it talks about you know postage um, and it's more applicable to Aussie bands than any, anywhere else. But um, it talks a little bit about, I guess, the different charges that are applicable for mailing things out across this country. And I think a lot of people just... Well, they don't know that either. You know, you just you just pack your stuff up and you take it to the post office and whatever they charge you, you pay for and that's it. So, you know, the the folding aspect of, of this video was sort of like the tail end and that was about it. But the real sort of detail in this was about, you know, the, the different methods of, of posting. Well, yeah, I actually work in the transport industry myself um, and deal with this sort of stuff. So that's why I sort of got me intrigued on it and... Our buddy, um, Dave Harrison sends out a lot of shirts and he was doing it really like, you know, free postage on these shirts. I'm like, oh, like Dave, I went around his house and I'm like, Dave, how are you doing this, man? Like, how can you afford to send out these awesome shirts? Like, with like, he's like, ah, let me tell you. And he told me, I'm like, this is amazing. He's like, I know, I know, look at this. And he got me a link for the, um, for the, the product that you need to use. But like, and then so I, I, okay, I've got to find out more about this. He, he just showed me how to fold one. Like, he showed me what to use. Okay, I've got to find out more. So I've gone to the post office because we send out a lot of merch when, you know, we haven't done a new album for a while, but when we, this was back 
Well, I got this info ages ago. I just haven't got around to doing it. But, um, yeah, and I was like, okay. And I was like, just drilling this woman because, like, they'd always give me such a hard time. Like, oh, my God, you're bringing in so much. Like, you know, well, we've got a tour coming up or, or there's a new album or whatever. They loved it because they're getting revenue off it, but they're also like, try and come in at a good time of day, please. But yeah, like, you know, some, some shirts are costing you, like, yeah, most of them were like eight bucks. I was jamming them in on one of those red and white, um, sort of plasticky bags and, Man, it's like costing me 200 bucks there. Even though I wasn't paying for it, obviously, but some were getting, you know, when you go for those overseas ones, they were costing like 22 instead of 18 or depending on the country mm. and like, you know, where it is. But there's going to be more to this. Like, you know, okay, what's, and she had this little bit of paper. She was like, all right, give it all to me. What's the weight? So, you know, zero to 250 grams. Okay, that's one rate, but it's going to be less than two centimeters thick and smaller than A4. All right, okay, well, we can work that out. So, which bag do I need to use? Let's use, all right, this bag here. But you got to get it under two centimeters. So yeah, then we got I got my shirt folder and managed to fold it. So then I worked out after that it was the weight. So I had to you know take a few different ones down there when I was posting them and found out that small, medium, and large Gildan shirts, which we sell, were under twenty fifty grams, and then extra large and above was the next bracket, which was like two fifty to five hundred gram. And then when you're going overseas, it was the same, but it was like. Um, yeah, so up to large, could do a large letter rate there as well. So it's, it was basically saving like I don't know, $5 locally and $10 internationally on these things. So I just really thought it would be helpful for everyone else because, you know, it, it's a lot cheaper to buy a shirt at, at a show, but a lot of people are like, just forget, or, or they don't live in your town where you're playing. So, yeah, it, it just makes it a lot more affordable. And you, I know a lot of bands will sell their stuff at almost cost price just to get the sales online sometimes. And you, you know, it's good to cover your costs, but you got to try and find a way to make a profit as well. Even if it's only five dollars a shirt or something like that, at least you're moving forward and you can, you know, put it towards your band. You know. Well, I think the, I think a big thing with this, it's all perception, and you know, obviously, you want to try and minimise your expenses as much as possible. And yes, like you know, the person buying the shirt is naturally, or in most cases, paying for the shipping, um, but. You know, it gets to a point where the shipping gets so ridiculous that it just—it's a deterrent for people to actually purchase the shirt. And so, I think—I think you kind of mentioned this in the video, but you—you you spoke about sort of that cost saving and what you could do with it. And you know, for us, like, I mean, oh, this might be a, a rabbit hole that we we jump down, but um, I'm really moving away from the band perspective of doing discounts and doing sales. Um, we might still do one, but it might be like just a one a year thing, maybe with dribs and drab, like yeah. just le leftovers. Um, because I just think there's a there's a perception of value that is attached to an item, and I think if you can maintain a particular price point, and like I th I think doing things really cheap or dramatically slashing prices, um, I think can actually hurt your band and i think for us now i've i've got a price point for our shirts and our cds and they it is higher than a lot of other bands out there but i think that gives a perceived value of of what that that item is and the value that that person's going to get when they receive that item and so from a from a shipping point of view for a lot of bands you could find a way to save on that shipping you reduce the shipping cost but you actually apply it to the actual item cost and yeah, think, definitely. And I think then, you know, then like, you know, from your average punter out there, it's like, well, that's bullshit, you know. You should be you should be saving me money as a punter because I'm the one supporting the band. But I think from a band point of view, I think it's really important to 
to have some profit. I mean, in the end, you know, yes, okay, you're doing it for the love of music, but in the, you want the band to be sustainable and you want to actually progress and do something. And I think, I think fans are more, and I hate, I hate using that word, but I've always default to it, but fans or, you know, friends of the band, you know, will always support the band um, if they can see that, you know, it's going towards a bigger, a bigger picture. And, um, and so for me, when I look at, like these little hacks, these these great ways of saving a, a few dollars here and there, then I'm all about perception and seeing what I can do to add value back to the person who's purchasing it, but also for the for for us as a band as well. So it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a slippery slope, and it can be difficult, and it definitely challenges you know a lot of oh, I don't know a lot of my own emotions because you know you want to be seen to be fair and reasonable and you always compare yourself to everybody else out there but um i think sometimes you just got to stand alone and and really sort of back back what you do well i think i think a good example of what you're saying is like um we've got some really high quality six color shirts like most of our shirts are five or six color and you'd know that every mm-hmm. color costs more dollars to print yeah. but you know we want to have yeah we got you know, amazing looking album covers from amazing artists and uh, we want it to look great on shirts and, and these shirts sell great, but we've you know, got a lot of shirts and you know, the retail for these is usually 25 and I'm going like, we, we've got so much stock here. Like we, on our last tour, we were in Germany and we, um, we got a whole, like a couple hundred shirts printed there and it was a lot cheaper. So we were sort of like, oh, we could probably sell them a little bit cheaper, but then the ones we've already got are going to look expensive. So I think, how are we going to do it? So, you know, a $25 shirt plus $8 postage, that's 33 That's a little, well, it kind of starts getting a bit too expensive for some people, you know? So I thought, okay, well, if the shirt was 20 it'd be 28 with postage. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Mm. But then we can now post for $3, which brings it back $28 to track three is 25 So all of a sudden, if you just do it at $28 or $29 or $27 or something like that, including postage, it doesn't matter what size you're sending out, really. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a good way around it, I think, where... You, you know, if they're at the show, they're going to pay 25 anyway. So it just, you know, it just seems like you're just paying, you know, you're getting a good deal on postage, I guess. So you're getting, you're getting a discount, but you're not, you know. Yeah. Uh, you're, not, you're not discounting your product, but you're discounting the postage because you found a way to do it. That's it. It's It comes back to that perception, you know, and I'm, I'm all for, you know, doing deals. And I think... Um, I think giveaways are far more beneficial for, you know, a business or a, or a band, um, you know, than discounting things. So I think if, if you've got an abundance of old stock that you just need to get rid of, then I think there's creative ways of driving a perception that you're giving away something rather than, well, it's going to be half price now or it's going to be cost price or whatever it is. And, the you know, a free shipping deal or a discounted shipping deal, um, I think then just keeps the value in the item itself, but it also shows that there's you know, there's, there's a deal to be had and there's an event, there's an incentive for people to to make that decision and purchase that item. But um, I think I think it's just a case that you know most bands out there are DIY and we do it all ourselves, um, and it's trial and error, and you're only at the mercy of what you know. And most of us don't know what we're doing. <laughs> you know, most of us most <laughs> of us are, are sort of learning as we go, and we don't have a lot of experience in. Um, you know, running our own business or, you know, having sort of any sort of initiative of creating something ourselves apart from, you know, music from an artistic point of view. And so when you get into this whole business element, it it becomes quite daunting. And so most people sort of just navigate through the darkness, hoping that something sticks and something works and and then you run with it and you just keep running with it and you don't want to change it ever again. So that's when, you know, like for me, like I get stuck in particular habits that have just, They've worked, and so why why change it? And then that ends up yeah. causing problems later on. 
Well, yeah, everything. Well, yeah, I, I think it still keeps coming back to that whole thing we said in the beginning of like, there's no true right or way wrong, but like way, way right way to do it. But um, it's like um, yeah, if it's working for you, that's okay. But you know, I, I like to. I like it when it works, but I like to always look back and go, okay, how can I do it better? And then, you know, I know you're probably the same in that regard as well, man. Like, you know, it might be, might work for, for a year or two like that, but then you can't always rely on it. Like, I always sort of think like, you know, it's not going to last forever like this, so we need to up our game here. You know, and then, uh, so I've got Cam in the band who, he does all my technical crap for me. Like, he's really good with the um, sort of recording side of stuff and, you know, and all that. So I'm lucky to have him in the band. He can take the pressure off with all that sort of stuff. You know, he'll build click tracks for us and, and everything that's that sort of techo stuff there. And um gives me a lot of freedom to to think about this sort of stuff, which is, is really nice. So um it's good to have a, a partner like that. I know you've got Tim on your side who can obviously do anything in the studio that you could ever imagine and probably more. Um so then that gives you the, the chance to get your you know, make yourself valuable in other ways, you know. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing that I think more bands are starting to, to realize this and, and take advantage of it is that I think in the past, and I've certainly gone through these growing pains where you sort of think that everybody equally contributes in the same task with everything. Oh, and, yeah. and you realize very quickly that everybody's got different strengths and weaknesses and you can't expect everybody to be, you know, the the part manager or the part merchandiser or um, the part socializer or anything like that, or the part recorder or the creative or anything like that. And so everybody brings something to the table and you've got to sort of work on those strengths. And so, yeah, like Tim, Tim and Mark, I mean, Tim, especially with, with all the recording and the production and everything that he does, I mean, geez, if we didn't, well, the band wouldn't obviously wouldn't exist without Tim, but you know, he is, he's a massive, um, uh, tool in the toolbox <laughs> that was a horrible analogy <laughs> <according> to... <laughs> i'm sure he'd love to hear that yeah, yeah that's right we'll get that sound we'll get that sound sound bite out um that's right. and tim the tool man tim the tool oh yeah even better and <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he's really he's got he's got massive strengths in that area and mark also now over the years has been a massive contributor to the the writing process of the album and it's got to a point now where for the most part those guys are almost 50 50 with with their contributions and the way that they write right. and they work awesome. they bounce off each other so much and and it works really well and they've got something in place and and for me like you know i i don't have the attention span to sit down and, and create and you know i've got a a box full of riffs and so i just throw stuff out there and go guys if any any of this works then use it otherwise disregard it and yeah they might pick some stuff out or they might just say no that's pretty shit andy don't <laughs> we'll, just stick to, <laughs> we'll stick to our stuff but that's fine because my contribution will come from other areas and and so you know the sooner that we sort of got to that point um the sooner we're able to sort of leap ahead and, and do a lot of great things and so sometimes i think and speaking to other guys in bands there's definitely been moments of frustration where, you know, musos will go, oh, well, I'm the only one that seems to be doing this social media stuff or I'm the only one that seems to be doing this or, or, or whatnot. And you sort of go, well, you know, it's um, it, it, it's not really the role of everybody, you know, and, and everybody contributes in their own way. And so that's what makes a band and that's what makes a collective of people, you know, and that's what teamwork is, you know, everybody, everybody uh, contributes in, in their own way. Yeah, well, man, and like ever since the beginning, I've sort of like wanted to do most of the stuff myself, which is 
you know, which um, which takes a lot of pressure off the other lads. Like Cam's Cam's there to, to you know you know run run as a partner in, in what we need to do. But the other lads are like they just know their job is to basically just nail their material, rock up and do it. And, and it gives them a pretty good freedom. Like they're pretty relaxed guys. Like we got Jesse and Cam and Dan, um, you know, drums, bass and vocals, uh, who. You know, they're awesome guys and they don't have any real responsibility, but at the same time, they don't really have any, um, they, they, they won't come in and just try, start trying to call the shots either, if you know what I mean? Like, so it makes yeah. it a lot easier for me. I can make, you know, they, they trust that we're going to do the right thing and they're pretty happy with the direction that we go in. So, you know, they're just like, Hey, what's going on? What's happening this year? Are we going anywhere cool or what? You know, like they're just up for the ride. And, then- and, that, and that works, that works really well for me because I've, I've sort of got an idea of how I want to to do a lot of things and Cam's got a few ideas too and we sort of like all right so me and him can have a proper chat because like between two people you can make a decision mm. between five people I just can't see how like, you know, like you're going to end up sounding like a, a weird like a mixed mash of whatever and like there'll be no consistency so you know like uh, it's at least you know one person has this designated job and this is your job and this is your job like you're saying like even even though there might be some people might be perceived to be pulling more weight but I actually enjoy it and I know Cam does too but and then the other guys are there. we need them like our bass player Cam we got two Cams um, but he's you know, really good at like he's like a pro at wiring shit up so yeah, sometimes he'll just come out and go, hey, check out this. Like one time he's like, check out this strobe light I made, which connects to a drum trigger. And like, <laughs> he got like a light bar from a four-wheel drive. <laughs> and I'm like, he, no shit, man. Like he had a, um, you know, our drummer's trigger module. This is a couple of years ago with our old drummer. And he found some way to wire up to a power source. And then like every time the kick drum went off, he it would fire off this massive strobe light he created. <laughs> and like and he had a, a little switch he put like on his pedal board. And so, um, yeah, it would come like yeah. So we didn't want the strobe going for the entire song because there's a lot of kick drum in our stuff. But like, if we got to a cool solo section, he just like put his foot down on this thing. Also, we got this amazing like self-controlled strobe light going off on stage. Like, wow, man! Like, like so everyone's got these cool little talents that like when you need them, you can just call them in and go, "Hey, man, what do you think of this?" And then that's their time to to, to put their bit in, you know. But yeah, it's really cool. Like when you give these guys. Yeah, you just find out what some guys can do, and you're like, fucking hell, I, I never would have thought of that, you know? Yeah, and I think everybody's got a critical, you know, element of or contribution to the band, and, I mean, even somebody that might, I guess, on the surface, not contribute as much to sort of the day-to-day operational aspect of the band are probably equally contributing by just playing the role that they play. And so people that are just you know, coming in from, you know, when we all have to get together and, you know, whether it be recording or rehearsing or playing or anything like that, um, you know, from a more minimal perspective, that's still an equal contribution because they're, they're, they're playing the role that they they've taken on in that band. And so, yeah, man. Um, and they're told up front usually as well, aren't they? Like, yeah. Hey man, don't, yeah, we don't expect too much. And this is what we expect. And then, but like, also if you look at, if your band became fucking famous, like tomorrow, you wouldn't need someone to do half the shit you do now. You know, you, so like, that, your job would be to play bass, do some vocals, and be friendly if you needed to be friendly. <laughs> That's about all you need to really do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you'd have someone there to do your merchandise sales and pack it up at the end of the night. You'd have someone to do, you know, some of your social media crap if you needed it. Like, it's so those guys for them, it's like, well, this is for, for being in a band. That's what it is. You learn your part really, really well. You show up when you need to show up, and you play it properly. <laughs> that's 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 what being a, a, a proper band is. It just so happens that we're so 
poor because we pay power metal. <laughs> and, um, we have to, we can't afford to pay people to do it for us. So oh, man. we have to pick up the slack, you know. Yeah, I I would love a day where I never have to worry about any of that stuff. But then then on the flip side, I kind of think if I'm not as involved as what I have been, then I think I'd probably miss it a little bit. And I think there's probably like there's an element to all of this sort of stuff where it's the whole journey aspect. It's the trial and error. It's the experimenting where you try little things. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it will often it doesn't, <laughs> but you know, you're, yeah, well. you're always going through and, and experimenting along the way. And, and that's exciting. And that's fun because there's a, there's an element of satisfaction that comes out of achieving something because you're physically in there and you're, you're trying to, to work through things. So, um, yeah, at times, especially when we're doing a gig and I'm like, oh man, I like, I need to be in three different places at once. And I've got to play a show, which is probably the last thing I'm thinking of, funnily enough. And you sort of think, man, I wish I had some more people that could just take this over and take it over with confidence and I wouldn't have to worry about it or even think about it. And I could just get along, get on with playing a show. But then I think there'd be an, there would be an aspect of me that would go, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind getting into a little bit of that and, and, and still uh, sort of contributing in that way. So I don't know. I mean, that might be just me being a control freak more so than anything else. Imagine like Lars Ulrich just walking off stage at the end of the set and walking to the merch booth and just like, going, hey guys, you want to buy a shirt? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's right. I need to stand near the merch table so more people buy yeah. merch. Yeah, I've got That's a right. quick, just stand someone there hand like, on my drum like kit. <laughs> 40,000 people there like, you know, coming, <laughs> trying to buy a fucking t-shirt off him or something. I just imagine the chaos of that happening. But um, no, that, I, I don't know that. Like we... You know, because I usually, well, I always have to bring all the gear, like all the, the merch, because it lives in my house. But mm. a lot of the time, we we organise the shows from our end, and we don't get invited to play on many other people's shows locally, um, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But um, so often we'll like, you know, we'll be there first, and we'll bring our backline for everyone, and bring all the merch and all that stuff we're gonna do, and like. For like, man, I'm lugging all this shit. So we had a gig a couple of weeks ago with um, Clayton the Throne. We're putting on a show before they went to Europe. And my brother Ray is playing in the band at the moment. So he was, you know, he lives in Sydney. So he was coming over here as well. And like, Cabra asked us to do the show. I thought, hey, yes, we'll definitely do the show. That's that's really cool. Um, but I thought, you know what? I'm not going to bring any merch to the show. Fuck it. Everyone's had ample opportunity to buy this shit. We don't have anything new. <laughs> I'm just going to come in. I'm going to. I go. Can you supply for the backline? And he's like, Yeah, sure. You can use our cabs and stuff. I'm like, great. So I don't have to bring my big art van with cabs in the back. I don't have to bring merch. I don't have to be at the merch table for it. Sort of rock in. Uh, maybe just at doors. Yeah, they come and hang out with my brother for a bit. And then we'll play the show. They'll hang out for a bit more. I don't have to pack anything up. I'm just going to go home. It was like the best gig ever. Like so relaxed. And like so, <laughs> yeah. And no one complained. There was no merch. I was like, I just used it as an excuse. Said, oh no, I claim the throne need beer money, so we're not going to take any sales off them. Like if you have, to, if you want to buy something, buy something from them. So that yeah, no one, no one complained. So yeah, the website's there if you want to buy it. And uh, so yeah, it was a nice little step into the foray of not having to rush around after work and pack the van up and bring it all in. So I enjoyed that. I don't think I could do it forever, but um. Yeah, it was, a, it was a taste. It was good. I liked it. A taste of, of what could be. The taste of being a vocalist. <laughs> <laughs> Rock up with nothing, do nothing, and then leave fucking before the work needs to get done again and then just hang out at the bar. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I think that's a good segue, actually. I want, One question I really wanted to ask you and dig in a little bit mm. because I've, I don't know, I, I don't have the full story and it's not about the story more so, but about the challenge around it, but how the hell does a band deal with a, with a vocalist change? Like, a, you know, changing your vocalist, you, you actually released an album with, with one guy, you've changed, and I know that you've gone back and re-recorded that first album, but 
I mean, for me, I couldn't think of anything more stressful than changing the voice of, of the band, so to speak. So, I mean, what sort of what sort of process did you go through with that? All right, so we had a guy from Slovenia who lived in Perth, and um, he, he sort of, we sort of like just really early stages of the band. So when, when I started, I sort of just wrote a bunch of songs that I was really happy with, and then before I got anyone else involved, and I sort of, I'd only just met Cam a few months prior, and so sort of, he started, he just did some solos and some demos for me just so I could, he could help me out so I could find some property or he had his own band. And, um, but it also just came in there and, and then also we had, we had, you know, two guitars and a drummer all of a sudden because we had Paul just rock up out of nowhere. And Paul, without me knowing, advertised for the singer and he, he came along and he was, you know, this is Zoran, our original guy. He came in and he was a pretty good fit straight away. And yeah, we did the album and we did some shows. We were good friends and it, all, it was pretty good. But he, cause he was from Slovenia, he, um, he spent a lot of time there and it made it really hard to progress as, as the band. And, and, you know, he had a really good voice, but we didn't agree on a lot of things. Like he doesn't, he doesn't like the really high sort of power metal stuff. He likes the more Dio Bruce Dickinson sort of lower full voice sort of stuff. Mm. So moving forward to the new material, like we were like, really like, you know, we, we were pretty happy with the first album, but like me and Cam were like, Oh now this is going to be like, you know, a, a real power metal album. This next one, it's not going to be any slower songs. It's going to be all the neck breakers, you know. Mm. And it's got the vocals. Are going to, we do all the the vocal stuff from our end, and then we just pass on to our vocalist. And so this is how it goes. And, um, and it wasn't, you know, we we weren't agreeing on a lot of stuff. Um, and and we're like, okay, we're gonna we just got to tell him this is how, you know, <laughs> unfortunately this is how the song goes. If you don't want to sing it, you don't want to sing it. That's fine. But as as, as it happened, he sort of went on holiday again. Um, for an extended holiday, which he wasn't planning at the time, but he'd end up staying a lot longer. He was away in Europe, and we had to cancel a show because of that. And then we had the original Stormrider show, like the very first festival coming up, and he wasn't sure whether he was going to be back for that or not. So I was like, fucking hell, man. Like, I really don't want to sit on my ass for it. And like, you know, we were progressing really well, and we were building momentum every every time. And then this guy, Jesse, sort of, he, was, he just moved to Perth. He posted something on one of the... Facebook pages from, from Perth Metal just saying, oh, here's a, hey guys, I just moved here, uh, check out my Gamma Ray cover or something like that. <laughs> and then our drummer Dan messaged me, goes, oh, check out old mate here. Why well, fucking hell, he's, he's, he's okay, well, what's his story? And um, we sort of just like, I messaged him and got friends with him and I hadn't met him and I was like, you know, and then like after a couple of weeks I said to Cam, like, dude, you should, we should maybe check this guy out and just see if he can just do the show. Like, because we don't know if Zoran's coming back and like, and we wanted to, you know, we didn't want to pull on the show. We had like Black Majesty headlining and it was a really big deal for me because like it was my first, I'd done promotions before, but this is the first time we were inviting a bunch of Eastern States bands. I think we had five coming over and it's, you know, a lot of good vibes about the show were going to happen. So I thought we can't miss out. We're like, you know, playing second last. It's going to be good. Um, we want to show that we're like, we're not just a, we never really want to be like an opening act sort of band. It was always like, you know, Look at we're a good looking band, you know. So we, I messaged him and I said, "Look, man, do you want to meet up?" And I said, "Look, we're looking, we're looking for a guy just to do this show. We don't know what's going to happen after that, but if it works out, maybe we'll make a change. I don't know. I can't promise." And then, um, so he came out. Just we just met up for a beer, and we uh, yeah, he seemed like an okay guy. Okay, well, look, here's you know, here's six or seven songs. Do you want to? you know try and sing on one of them and he, he sort of did a bit of a demo and thought that sounds okay oh and then we just started working together at rehearsal and we did the show and the show went really well we had a brand new drummer that night too um and and it was like just just a great show and then oh, okay man that was awesome and we had another one booked and then um like another festival style one and we did that 
and Zoran still wasn't back. And I thought, oh, okay, look, it's time. This guy works out. Everyone loves him. Like everyone's like like raving about this guy. He had the high range that we were really looking for, and he was a relaxed dude. Like we can sort of say, look, this is how the song goes. He's, he, he might drop an idea here or there, and if he doesn't, if we don't like it. He's okay with it, um, which is really good. But he's like, hey, I really like how you guys do it, so that's fine. So and then and then we like fuck it, let's just you know let's do a single. So we did a um, we recorded a single. And we did the Keeper of the, Hello- um, Keeper of the Seven Keys from Halloween cover. And we actually had some live recordings from that first Stormrider show as well. So we did an EP. And that's how we announced him into the band from there. So, and then everyone was like, yes. Like, uh, and then we just progressed. So no one really, maybe a couple people, not many would really compare. Everyone was like, I didn't explain it to anyone about why it was happening. It was just basically like, we've decided to make a change and this is what's happening. And because we, were, we weren't really, really well known. Then I guess the different play different years matter as much. But then we were still selling our first album, and um, then there was a pressing in Indonesia as well, which they were selling, and we played over there. That's the only one they had to buy because uh, they didn't press the second album. They just did that as a cassette over there. Um, so some people probably, well, people still had it, but then we just thought, no. Nah, well, everyone started asking, will you re-record it with with Jesse on it? I thought, well, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. So we put off our third album to re-record the first album. So and, and that came out last year, and I think it really, really paid off to do that as well because he did all the songs so well live that everyone wanted to hear them at home, you know. So yeah, that, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't as hard as it, it might seem. It just happened to really fit and really work out. And to have two guys from Europe in your band, like, yeah, because <laughs> Jesse's from Turkey. I'm like, how the fuck do we keep getting? Like, everyone's like, how do you keep getting these guys? Like, do they live here or what? Like, yeah, we just these guys have somehow stumbled into Perth and like just happened to form to the only fucking heavy metal band that's here or something. I don't know. But we just, yeah, we got lucky twice. So, you know, we'll just I mean, ride, it, ride it while we can. Well, I mean, just one thing with Jesse, I remember, and I could get the, the times and, and conversations a little bit out of whack, but from what I can recall, I remember, I remember Jesse either contacting me on Facebook or maybe even MySpace. I mean, this is going back right. a long time. And he was living in, I think, Brisbane at the time. And he'd only, he was, yeah, yeah. And I think he'd only just moved there. He hadn't been there long. And he was just trying to find, you know, musos to play with. And I remember him, like, you know, he, he liked a lot of melodic metal and things like that. And I just thought, oh, at the time, there was just nothing around. And I go, oh, man, like, oh, I don't know if I can help you. There's not really anything, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'll, I'll keep a lookout, but um, I don't know, man, you might have to, you might have to just see if there's any cover bands and just do some stuff, you know, from from that perspective and and he sort of was you know around that area and and i didn't really see too much more of him and then suddenly i saw that he relocated to perth and and then suddenly he's seen with the band i thought oh that's amazing because you know i remember him sort of trying to find people to to perform with and really being passionate about it and finding you know the perfect the perfect match and i mean i think people i mean just for people that either aren't from Australia or don't understand the dynamic of, of bands and locations in this country. Um, you know, you guys being a power metal band in Perth of all places, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I need to emphasize how lucky you guys have been with not only finding somebody to begin with, to, to be a vocalist in a power metal band in Perth, but then to find your new vocalist as well, in in a, in a in a metal scene and a music scene in Perth that for the most part um, is sort of heavily weighted on more of the extreme metal stuff. So yeah, um, oh mate, we were very lucky. <laughs> it's just it's incredible, and that's when I saw that all happen. I just uh, it was it was amazing because I just thought 
I, I knew a little bit about Jesse and then I saw that match happen. I thought that's amazing. But also from your perspective as a band, just to go far out guys. I mean, you're, you're always sort of, at least from the outside looking in, you're, you're always pushing shit up a hill with, you know, getting, you know, getting this band going and doing something that's very different to the rest of the rest of that local scene there. And, um, and then to go through that kind of transition, which, I couldn't think of anything more daunting to 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 change the voice of the band. But, I mean, as you explained, it was a bit more of a, I guess, a natural set of steps that sort of just naturally ended up there and you you guys got, got pretty lucky. But, um, yeah, uh, it's um, <laughs> but just randomly to, to see someone pop up and say, hey, check out my Gamma Ray. Gamma Ray of all bands. Yeah, it was fucking... That's why we go, what the fuck? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Could have been his Rage Against the Machine covers or something, but like, it has to have to be. I think it was like somewhere out in space or one of those. Sort of, I'm like, fucking hell, man! Like, it was. It was like a really. The thing was, it was like a really average fucking like demo. It was just like it was the most basic of demos singing over like a YouTube backing track or something. So it wasn't like a professionally done cover. So I was like, I was hell like. Oh, a bit skeptical like oh that's that sounds pretty fucking shit but like yeah, he actually had like good tones about him and like good range but like the because it's just a demo thrown together quickly like it uses like you know, oh i don't know about this guy but once he actually met him we're like all right let's get some real fucking demos down and let's come down to the studio and we'll, we'll see what you can really do and then that's when we realized yeah we knew he could fucking hit notes but when we realized he actually had like a you know a lot of a lot of range and talent he was like oh okay well it's actually pretty bloody lucky, and and the, the, you know we like you're saying like it was it's pretty hard to get going from where we were. We were pushing uphill for a while, but we kept pushing. We never gave up, and it actually happened really fast when you look back. Because I think our first show was April 2011, and then we had our first album February 2013, and then yeah, but but we we'd already played in Sydney twice prior to that album coming out. We, then we had you know we've done probably six or seven Australian tours since then. You know, we've done Indonesia a couple of times. Like once we got um, the second album out, yeah, we'll. You know, we've played at you know, Hammersonic Festival, which you guys have done. Um, we got to go to Germany. You know, so a lot of stuff did happen after that. So it was really just a case of the momentum hitting that sort of like a critical mass of like, okay, you know, ready to roll downhill for a while now. Let's ride this out. And then, you know, we're just starting to gear up again for a new album now. So it really, we did get a good like, we had a good like three or four years out of, of just that transition. It was just, yeah, it, it was built us up really well. It's, um, I mean, there's, there's a bit of proof in the pudding here that, you know, I, I guess, you know, the perception could be, or, you know, from other bands' perspectives, you know, you think, well, what's the point of starting a band like that in an area like that with, with the scene looking the way that it does? Because what opportunities would there possibly be? And you, you said before, like, you, you guys don't get really asked to, to jump on other bills for the most part. You guys just set up your own shows. And yeah. I think the so probably the big thing here that a lot of people need to sort of think about is that, and we went through this you know years ago with sort of sort of the first couple of years of of Lord being sort of a new band so to speak with new name and trying to convince people that we're we're pretty much dungeon with a different name, but we we sat back on a couple of occasions and sort of went why isn't this working like why aren't we getting the opportunities that we're looking for like why why are other bands doing these things and we're not. And then we sort of realized that, oh, actually, we could probably just do this ourselves. And, you know, if we just create it, then everything else will fall into place afterwards. And so, you know, we, you know, it's the, the old school thing. It's putting in a bit of hard work. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that you thing, know, yeah. But you, you, create, you create it yourself. And instead of sitting back and waiting for, for the opportunities or for the scene to change or for someone to, to finally play a song and get you some exposure or get onto a support bill or whatever it is, 
um, you know, you sort of just go, okay, well, what do we have at our fingertips? What, what abilities do we have and what can we do with what we've got now and then build off that later on? And, um, and I think you guys, I mean, you've always, um, you've always given that perception out there with, with, with us and, and a lot of other musos that you guys are just you know, really, really hardworking and very DIY. And, um, and there's a, there's a real sort of genuine aspect of, of what you guys do, which I think, um, gives gives the perception and perception makes it sound like it's not really the reality but it, it gives the perception that you guys are very reliable um and you've got a lot of respect and i think that will then lead to to other opportunities and that's and that's probably why you guys have had some of the success that you've had so far as well well i think so man and also like one thing i, I always said at the beginning because a lot of people like oh well, not a lot of people but some people are like oh power metal doesn't work in perth you can't do power metal and i was like you know what I fucking love this genre of music. I would fucking not, I'd rather cut my fucking ears off than have to, if I could have two between cut my ears off and or like no power metal or Beyonce, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, you know, even like, I, I don't like much other metal. I fucking love power metal, man. And like, I am so passionate about it. I look at it and go, look, lads, if I can fucking, if I want to see this show, I'm going to put on a show that I would want to come and see. Like, you know, I'm not getting, like, we don't get tours like what Melbourne and Sydney get. Yeah, I, I went and saw Ed Guy and, like, fucking 50 people showed up or something. <laughs> it was really sad. And I was like, oh, man, this is, like, 2010, maybe. I was like, no, nah, I love, like, so I took everything I love, like, from Isurf and Iron Maiden and, and even, like, I oh, fucking love Megadeth, man. Like, I know they're not power metal, but that's, like, my favorite band. But, like, you know, all those sort of things, like, what they do on a show how can we make this the most, you know, it's, we don't have fireworks and shit like that, but like, it's more like just what sort of like energy can we create on stage and then, you know, show that we're fucking, you know, this is, it can be fun. Like even the most tough guys who come out to like those extreme shows, which we sometimes are built with or whatever, they come and watch us. And like, you know, I've even seen a dude like pump his fist in the air once and he was like the most staunch dude you've ever seen. It was like, like, you know, we, we are so smiling when we're playing. Like everyone's like, you know, you guys are so happy, man. Like, well, we feel good playing this. And like, you know, and when you translate that between each other, like I'm smiling at you smiling back at me, you know? So it, it's just how it works. And like, I just, I, it's just really worked well. And like when we get opportunities, like bands like Halloween came to town, you know, we play with them. And we have, you know, even like when we play with Black Lab Society, man, like that's one of the toughest crafts you're going to look at. You know, all these fucking bikey looking dudes. But we went out there and just did what we did and like won a lot of people over. And so it's, it, I think it's just been a case of just the idea of the show that I would like to see. Like, like even when you said starting out in Sydney, like, you know, I'd really want to see a fucking Lord show back then. You know, like if I was living in Sydney, I'd be there every week. Um, you know, I think if you can work out would you, if you really feel good about it, like if you're just doing it to, yeah, yeah, this band's okay, I guess I'll, I'll just play these guys for a bit and see where it goes. You probably, it's probably not going to work, but if you really live it and feel it, like, you know, this is how fucking I, you know, you transfer that to the crowd and then that's how the crowd grows because they're like, hey, man, I had a really great time. Like, you know, I'm smiling. You feel good, you know, yeah. It's like, you know, okay, I'm going to do that again. Well, it, I mean, it gets to a point where it just doesn't, it doesn't even matter what type of music you're playing. If you've got an opportunity to, to be in front of somebody, and you genuinely love what you do and you're projecting that out on stage with this air of uh like just not caring like not caring about what other people think but just just celebrating what you it sounds so sounds so wanky but you know celebrating <laughs> what, what you love then 
people get sucked into it and you know it's the energy it's it's exactly what you said is how do you create that energy and you you love you love it you love the, the music you love a lot of these particular genres of of metal and and you just you do it because you you love it and so the same with same with us you know, you know we've we've been built with a whole bunch of odd and weird different bands and bands that have no relevance or link to us whatsoever and you get to play in front of some pretty uh pretty tough crowds sometimes but after a while you you know you might be a couple of songs in and then suddenly you see like the corner of someone's mouth you know go up up a little bit and then they start to smile and smirk and then they're watching and they're probably thinking what a bunch of wankers on stage but they're being mildly entertained and so suddenly you realize that they're actually partially enjoying it they may not completely admit it but they're just watching people enjoy themselves and having fun with it and i guess you know i think you guys are similar to us where you know we take what we do seriously but we don't take ourselves seriously and so there's a really good balance between the two of them where you know yeah, and so it, sometimes it doesn't always lend to other genres because some genres have got a, you know a particular um, appearance or, or uh, point of view that um, you know it probably needs to be a little bit more serious with with the approach. But for for what we do, I mean, you've got to get up on stage and just not take yourself you know too seriously. But obviously, the music and everything you create is is serious because that's what you're passionate about. Well, pretty much, yeah. Like I think if it's if it's fun, like but you know, like yeah, you got to be serious and you got to play it properly, and it's got to look like you know, it's got to be a professional show in terms of you know, it's, it's all put together. But yeah, at the end of the day, you're there to like someone wants to be entertained, so that's why they're at the gig. So you're going to entertain them. And if there's like ten people there or a thousand people there, you still got to put on a you know, something that's going to be you know fun for them because they paid their money. So you know, give them the show that they're expecting. But yeah, we've been pretty lucky. We haven't paid to like small crowds for a long time so that's been good but, but um but yeah it's, the, the theory stays the same whether you're doing a you know international support for someone really big or just doing a local um but yeah no i think i think that's definitely right and and that's how you like how i think anyway that you um you, you grow your numbers just but it, you can't just walk out on stage and on your first show and have fucking 500 people <laughs> yeah and they're all, all chanting your name it's not going to work like that you got to you know, realize that it's a marathon, not a sprint. You can't just have overnight success with this sort of stuff. You just, you know, you got to just have a long-term plan and, and stick it out, you know? Well, I think that just comes back to, you know, what you enjoy and, you know, why you do it in the first place. And, yeah, you can have you can have goals and you can, you can certainly, and most bands should treat, treat their band as a business, but you've got to realize why you're there in the first place. And, you know, if you're playing in front of, you know, a god-awful god crowd of 10 or 20 people, um you know, you're still enjoying yourself because this is what you want to do and it's music that you, you enjoy and you're passionate about and so and you're playing on stage with people that you, you like and you enjoy playing with and and ultimately that's 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 the win that's the winner right there. I mean you're already winning and so anything else that comes off the back of that is a bonus and you capture that and you, you nurture it as you go and build off it. But um I I mean I'm sure you're the same. I've seen plenty of shows you know, rock up to a local show and you see a band get on stage and you can just see the misery on their faces because they're so disappointed on, you know, how shit the turnout is and how crap the, the night is or for whatever reason. And it just shows in their performance. And you just think, well, you're not, you, you're getting sucked into to the environment and not actually just focusing on what you guys, you know, the reason why people would want to watch you. And so you just make matters worse for yourself. And so that's when there's more of a focus on the external rather than the internal. Yeah, I think also like, like a lot of people like um, this is where the online shit can damage you is 
you know, like if you're going to start complaining about a shit turnout, your own show, like you can't start abusing people for not rocking up. Like, why? Oh, you know, can't believe no one showed up last night. That was piss week. This scene sucks. You know, like it's, it's not their fault that you're putting on, like if you're going to come out with that negative attitude, like, you can't blame anyone but yourself, really, can you? Like, and then why would they come next time? But what? Because you, you're a bully and you're going to threaten them that they're not part of the scene and they don't support you. Like, <laughs> fuck off! Like, yeah, you know, that's not that's not going to do anyone any favors. You know, you can't come out with this entitled thing. Like, yes, I know how to play a guitar and I've formed a band and I can, you know, I we can put on the, you know, we can do a show this weekend. So you will be there. If you don't be there, you don't support us, and therefore you're not metal. So you can fuck off. It's like, <laughs> you know, there's like a million other things I could be doing tonight. So why should I? You know, like, so it's it's really a case of like. Take it for, don't take it for granted. Like, be grateful for everything. If there's 10 people there singing their hearts out, like, the very first time we played in Brisbane, I was only a few years ago, um, it was um, that one of those Metal United shows. It was like fucking 400 tickets sold or something. We played on the main stage, and there was like 10 people watching us. But the 10 <laughs> people who watched us were true power metal fans, and they were going off, mate. They were running around that place like crazy. And, like, some other people got sucked in because they saw how much fun they were having. And then, like afterwards, like you know, we went back there like a few months ago. And we, it was a packed house, and it was awesome. <laughs> but like, it's like we still gave them what they were expecting, and like we didn't go, oh fuck this, fuck, fuck this city. We're not coming back here, you know. Like it was really just like you know, be grateful. There's people there who who want to see what you can do, and don't don't complain. Just you know, don't take it for granted when you get the big shows, but also you know, don't expect more than you, you're going to get. Well, I think I think that's a big thing with the some of the challenges that you know the local metal scene or even just the local music scenes in australia have have struggled with over the last probably you know 10 or 15 years is that i think we've naturally and it's it's very much a human sort of thing a human trait is that we focus on the negatives and so especially as social media's sort of come into everyone's line of view and we use it on a day-to-day basis now that it's so easy for people to complain about things in general just in life and so when you know, gigs aren't being attended the, to the expect, expectations that we have or, you know, something bad happens at a show or whatever whatever it is, then we're focusing on that and then we put it out there into the public domain and so then that drives that perception. And as you said before, you have a band complaining about no one showing up and how shit the scene is and everything. And if I was one of those people that didn't rock up to the show and I'm reading it, I'm not going to turn around and go, oh, well, I better get to the next one. I'm just going to go... Exactly, man. I'm just going to go, fuck <laughs> you. I am. I have no inkling whatsoever to go and see you guys play because there is nothing appealing about what you have put online whatsoever. It just sounds like you guys can't pull a crowd. You guys um, are blaming everybody else and you guys probably suck as well. So why would I want to get off the couch or whatever else I'm doing and come out and see you guys. And so you have to think that a lot of people out there that are the spectators um, are probably thinking very similar things. And one thing that I pushed a little while back and we haven't, I mean, we haven't been playing a lot of shows for the last couple of years, but one thing that we've tried to put more of a focus on is really explaining and putting out into the public domain about how much fun a gig can be and how much fun a Lord show in particular can be. So when we get, you know, a photographer that comes along to the show, we're trying to get them and it's really hard because you're, you're breaking, you know, uh, stereotypes or, or what they think is the correct thing to do as a photographer. And we say, look, don't take as many photos of us. Take, take a couple of maybe the first couple of songs, but can you get out there and take photos of everybody wearing a Lord shirt? Can you take photos of the girls that are there? Can you take photos of people drinking and smiling and laughing? Because that's what needs to go up online. 
people need it's like it's like your nightclubs the nightclubs are just filled with photographers going around taking photos of beautiful women and guys all drinking and having a great time and there's an energy and a magnet there that attracts people and goes that's the place that i need to be and that's what a metal much, show should be. And the, the best metal clubs and the best venues in the country have been places that are social hubs and the bands become a secondary thing. And people will go to these venues no matter what, every Friday, every Saturday night, because they know that their friends are there, they know they're going to have a good time. And then the question comes after the fact, oh, who's actually playing? And then you go, oh, well, Lord's playing. And they go, oh, awesome, even better, because I was going to go there. Yeah, right yeah. Away. And <laughs> so, but I think there's a bit of an ego thing that comes into play because everyone wants them being the band to be portrayed and put out there and then everyone just looking at how awesome you look on stage and you're you know pulling some some rad shapes on stage and you got your guitar and everything going and you you know you got your stage show which is fine but i think um you know the more that we put focus on the entire event and and everything that's happening at the show um i think that's going to attract more people and um it's it's something that i mean we'll we'll try again and um, do a really big push when we eventually go out and do the next you know half decent tour and we will try and get photographers on board to say look take less photos of us and take more photos of of the crowd because i think that's just a it's a big game it's a game changer well i think so man and like um you know all those little things like and I know we could go on this about this forever, as you know. So <laughs> I'll try trying to crap on too long about it. But no, I agree with what you're saying, man. So I think, um, you know, I, I think it's really a case of just trying to, yeah, like I said, trying to show you how much fun it can be, and and then, but you know, at the same time, there's like fucking ten people there. Don't be taking photos of the crowd then, oh. because that just makes it look like it's shit. <laughs> so, well, yeah, that's that's another. Well, thing. Hopefully, that doesn't happen to you. I'm sure that wouldn't happen to you guys. Not oh. even in fucking the outskirts of Kalgoorlie or something, wherever you like to play. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, those those photos exist and they're out there. But I mean, that's and yeah, okay, same thing. I won't harp on this too much, but yes, it's it's within reason, and you've always got to, you know, I guess I'm, I don't want to tell a photographer how to do their job, but I think you all always need to think about who's going to view the photo and what sort of message you're trying to tell people. And the photos, and I've I've clashed with a few people and very close friends of mine um, with that that are photographers and people that just aren't. Oh, and I've got to word this the right way without insulting anybody, but I just think that people aren't really thinking about the end product and what sort of message is being put out there. And when you take a photo of a half-empty room with like three people against the front barrier and there's just all this empty space, then there's a message that's being sent out there that isn't quite appealing. And it's bad for the band that's on stage. It's bad for the punters or the, the organiser of that show. And it just makes it so much harder for the people that need convincing to get out of their, their house and come to a show when they see that and go, well, looks pretty dead to me. I don't know if I'd go to a metal show. And so that's when you really need to be creative about the angles that you use, um, yeah. you know, getting really tight and close in on people and getting a little bit more personal and just driving a perception. It's, it's all about perception. You've got to paint a picture where people can get, a particular vibe from whatever it is that's being portrayed and hopefully it's a positive one that people will go that sound that looks that looks fantastic it looks exciting and i'm definitely going to go to that next show because i missed out by not being there on that particular occasion so but i think sometimes we're just we're fixated on just taking we're, we're documenting and we're taking photos yeah. and and that's fine and and i mean i think we're all 
incredibly lucky that we've got so many really good photographers that are pretty charitable with their services and um and so it's hard to sort of criticize what a lot of these guys do but um i think it's just a case that it, it will also help the photographer as well if they're a little bit more conscious of of how they uh how they capture some of these moments but um yeah anyway i'll get off my soapbox about that one <laughs> Well, just lastly, just just before we close off on that, I think there's not well in my book, it's not actually necessary to have a photographer at every show. Like you can get enough photographer. Like I'm using still, I'm still using photos from like 2012 or 11, man. Like you, <laughs> like I, I like when a photographer comes out, I'd be like, oh, look, like you know, especially if it's one of the ones who want to sell you an image, which is fine if that's what they want to do. But I'm like, look, man, all I need is one good photo. Like you know, one like yeah, you know, I remember our album watch we played together um, with you guys. Yeah. And there was like a friend of a friend of the band came out and they do it for free and, and all that. But they've got this amazing photo of not even of us, but of the entire crowd with their horns in the air from the side. And we still use that photo. Like it was like, you know, it's five years old. But it was like it showed everyone with big grins on the head, the lights were on the crowd and everything like you're saying, like we could use that photo forever. And like it doesn't date. It just you know so um, you know, I think less is more in some regard in terms of but if you can get some good material, you can use it multiple times and yeah, if it's a bigger show, I'd definitely invite media down. If it's a smaller show, like where you just support, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to bother. But, you know, anyway, let's move on. Oh, we'll go all day about this. <laughs> definitely. Oh, there's so many things we could talk about. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, do oh, a, no. we'll do a part two, part three, part four later on down the track. A series, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, going back to shows, and you guys have been putting on a lot of your shows in, in Perth and just sort of, creating your own opportunities um is that sort of where a lot of the storm rider stuff came from yeah well um because we've i, I had to book every show in the beginning as well like um so i sort of i really enjoyed putting the shows on and they seemed to work and it was good to have the control over what it was going to look like because a lot of them look sort of half-assed mm -hmm. especially back a few years ago where like maybe the knowledge or the you know the, the paint shop or photoshop wasn't as good or whatever yeah. but um so uh, in the beginning, I was like, well, we're either going to start as an opening act for a year or two, or I can just do it myself and we can put ourselves as like, we'll get a, a headline band and we can sort of play second last and we'll at least have a decent crowd and we can do it our own way. So I thought, oh, yeah, okay, I'll just do it like that. So I just started booking venues for us and, and doing our own shows. And yeah, they weren't massive in the beginning or anything like that, but we were, we were in control of it and, and it gave a good perception of like, oh, hey, these guys are got a nice big logo on this poster and they looked really cool and we had a really good designer back then as well. And then it sort of grew from there like because we did a couple of shows in Sydney and Melbourne and met a lot of cool guys like uh, the Darker Half guys played with us at our first Sydney one and then we did Steel Assassins a couple of months after that and met a few more cool guys. And, um, yeah, we played with Dan Mason's day in Melbourne, I remember, and Bain and Winterstorm and, and it was like all these cool guys were like, oh, what's Perth like? I'm like, well, we're just, we're just getting things going for Power Metal there but and then I just thought, Hey, like they're asking to come over. Why don't we just do it all in one one show? You know, rather than put on four or five shows. So we you know, thought I'll oh, do the Stormrider Festival, uh, and that's where that started. So that's been going um, five years. We've done five of those now, I think. Um, but yeah, no. So it just sort of grew from there. So uh, and originally I was like, well, one day I'd love to do international stuff, uh, and that day is finally coming as well, which is really good. So it's it's I sort of just wanted to prove myself locally. I could put on a really good show consistently. You know, like everyone could do one show really, really well. I think, I think, I think you got to, you know, like as you would know from that second one that, that you guys played out, we made Motley Crue come in on the same night and destroyed, destroyed the show for us. And that was really, really disheartening for me. But 
um, I, I was like, no, nah, I've got to keep pushing through this. And then the show still happened. And then um, we, we kept going after that as well. And then, it's, you know, it, it's kept growing every year. So, um, you know, the plan always was to, to hopefully have something so cool that we could bring international bands into one day or, or do Australian tours with them. And, and yeah, so slowly but surely, you know, seven years of promoting my own shows has come into that. So you got Dragonland coming out in September, which, uh, to be honest, I did not expect that whatsoever. That was a that was a one that came from left field. I went, oh, geez, wow, <laughs> totally unexpected. Well, yeah, um, it was really good. Yeah, how did yeah. that all come to be? Well, uh, actually, um, well, I, you might not remember. I don't, I don't know how PG this show is or how well I can say. Can I say whatever I want in the show? You can say whatever you want. No, no, no. Go all for right. it. All right. Well, you might not remember this, but I, oh, I've only known yeah. about Dragonland for a couple of years, right? So yeah. the power of the internet is what drew, drew us together. Okay. So I was on Spotify or something, <laughs> and I remember the guy. Someone else mentioned Dragonland. I thought oh, I'm looking for a new band to try. I'll, I'll just, yeah, I'll just, I'll just fucking add, I'll add these guys. First song came on. I'm like, fucking hell, man! Like this guy can sing. Like who the fuck? Like, like you know, like you think of a power metal band from Sweden. Like they're obviously famous. I can just say whatever I want. So I've gone on Facebook and shared it and I've tagged in Cam and I've gone, Cam, check out this guy's voice. It sounds like when he was born, Jesus spoofed his mouth while God sat in the corner and jerked off. <laughs> not, not thinking, right? I wrote that yeah. as a joke. Not a, please. If you're a Christian, I apologize. I do not mean offense. It was a totally, I was awestruck at this guy's ability and I was trying to find the best way to say, how the fuck can he sing so well? So I'm sorry in advance. If I offend anyone, please don't turn off. Andy Dowling then comments below, hey, Jonas Hydegaard, this guy likes your voice. Tag. Oh, well, okay. Tags the singer of the band. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got, holy shit. You can't do that. Oh, crap. You can't say this stuff in front of this guy. Well, what can I do? <laughs> so I've inboxed him. I'm going, man, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't know him from a bar of soap. Like, you know, I know you just heard him. But I was like, I'm really sorry, man. I've said this thing online about you, but as a compliment, I promise. Like, it's nothing negative. I really, like, I hope I've offended you. I just think you're, it sounds really awesome. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's cool, man. I love it. That was funny. So that was all right. But yeah, yeah. So you, so from that, I've, we sort of became friends chat once in a while. <laughs> And then, yeah, that was, so that was your fault. Um, so thanks for that. <laughs> um, and it was like the worst thing I could have possibly said, but it turns out he's actually a pretty funny guy and he has a lot of memes and stuff. So, yeah, obviously it wasn't yeah, upset him. Uh, and then they were touring in Japan uh, for that uh, Evoken Fest coming up. Mm. And um, so I just dropped him a line and said, hey, man, what are you guys doing after that? And he's like, oh, just going back home. I've got my own musical shit to do and whatever. So would you want to come to Australia for a week? He's like, fuck, man, that'd be really cool, like, Oh, yeah, okay. And he put me in contact with the guy who manages the bookings. And um, yeah, we did a deal. So it's happening. So yeah. I didn't expect it either, but it just worked out great for timing because, you know, as, you, as you, might, you would know, other people might not know, but when a band comes to Australia, generally the promoter pays on the flyover. Mm. So the closer they are, uh, the better. So, you know, from Sweden to Australia or Japan to Sydney, I'd much rather pay for Japan to Sydney than Sweden, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's how that worked out. Absolutely. I mean, was was it something, I mean, as you said, like doing years of, of putting on your own shows and doing the Stormwriter Festival, had you always had in like down the track, you know, later on down the track that you would eventually sort of look at bringing over some of your favorite bands, some international bands over, or was it just something that it just was the time and the place and just seeing it and suddenly there was a light bulb moment that you thought, wow, I wonder if I can actually do this. Well, we, we're sort of like, 
a couple of local promoter guys around Australia. We, we had a little bit of a chat about it a couple of years ago. Like we were trying to, a couple of the guys included me on the conversation. Actually, they they got it going about trying to get some bands over who we normally wouldn't get here. Because um, I understand that you know, this is business for all these big companies. Like oh, everyone bitches and moans that bands don't come, but like you know, this is someone's business and livelihood mm. who brings them over. So they, if it's their full time job, they've got to make sure they're going to make a living off it, so they're not going to lose money. So it's understandable why a lot of bands can't come here. So there's some some of the lads in Australia were like, oh, we could all join forces, and I was like, well, yeah, we could do that, but you know, I'm in Perth, so I'm pretty disadvantaged already. But you know. You know, I'm always so there's conversation going anyway. Um, and then I I'd always wanted to do it for like headliners and Stormrider Festival as well as it grew. And then last year or the year before, Pete Selig from Iron Savior contacted me. He's like, "Oh, we would love to play a Stormrider Festival. Like, this is what we need. And awesome. could we do it?" I'm like, oh, "Fucking hell, man!" Like, it was out of the blue as well. Like, we're friends on Facebook or something, so he's obviously seen some of my posts or something. And we chatted before, but he's always like, just out of the blue, like, goes, oh, we'll, we'll play. Do you want us to play? And I was like, oh, fuck, man, that would be amazing. Like, I don't have the finances for this sort of thing. Like, sort of asked around, and I did the dumb thing and went online and said, who's interested in Iron Savior? <laughs> <laughs> what, what not to do? Um, <laughs> and, um, but like, it's a band I really love. And I thought, fuck, that would be a really good band. And, um, but then I went back to him and I was like, oh, look, man, I'd love to do it in the future, but right now, you're coming from Germany, it's just too much. Let me know next time you're in Japan and, and you know, maybe we can sort it out. And he's like, yeah, no, no problem, man, no problem. And then, so I always just had to look at, like, the, the, I guess the idea was when someone's coming through locally, like through Asia or, or something, because um, most of the bands I like are from Europe. Um, that, and they'd be, yeah, that, that would be one of the, for the, for the first time, when I don't have as much money, or don't want to lose as much money, put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. yeah it, it's going to be, you know, you have to try and minimize the risk. And, and if you can save like five grand on airfares or something like that, that's a good starting point. You know, that's a lot less tickets you need to sell just to not, you know, stress out so much. So, yeah, so there's always, always the idea to do it, just really just right band, right time. It's, um, it's an interesting sort of approach. It's, it makes complete sense. And when you explain it and verbalize it, it's like, well, yeah, of course, like, you know, um, having, you know, picking up bands that are already sort of in the vicinity of, of Australia being, you know, in some part of Asia. But I think, um, I think a lot of people don't realize that. And so you're, you know, a lot of people think that it's unattainable to get certain bands here because yeah, how do you fly them from North America or how do you fly them from, you know, parts of Europe over here that the costs are just, the costs of just flying them out uh, are going to outweigh any of the returns from any of the shows as well. I mean, a lot of these guys are, you know, they might do reasonably well in Europe, um, but you know, here in Australia, they're really going to struggle to, to get some, to get some good numbers at shows apart from maybe Melbourne, Melbourne's you know, their own little unique hub down there, but you know, it's um, a lot of bands miss out. And so I think one thing that um, is quite interesting and Japan's been really good um, over the last few years, or it's always been reasonably good is that they've really embraced um, you know, metal and they, they, there's always tours happening there and a lot of melodic stuff goes really well there. But even in other parts of you know, Asia now and Southeast Asia, there's a lot more, being opened up for touring bands and so we're starting to see a lot more um metal coming through those areas so it makes sense for you know promoters in australia for and i'm sure like i'm just you know, I'm, I'm telling a promoter how to do their job like i'm sure every promoter <laughs> know, i'm sure every promoter knows this but you know to be able, yeah, other people out there <laughs> yeah but to, to be able to just hit up these guys and say look i can see that you guys are coming to indonesia or you come to malaysia or whatever 
Um, and yeah, like exactly the same approach that you took. How would you like an additional week and just come down to Australia? And then suddenly you're looking at paying for airfares from, from that location rather than, you know, from the complete other side of the world. So it suddenly makes everything attainable. It brings you, you your overheads down. It means that the ticket price goes down as well. And there's less pressure and expectations on everybody, including the band that's touring as well, because they understand what to expect and they understand that you know the costs are, are, are lower as well and so then suddenly i think you get better a better result from it but it's um i think so man yeah, yeah. you can put more money into advertising as well if that's the case as well like you, you can you, if your budget allows it you can put in other things to make the band more comfortable like first time around you know these guys are really relaxed like they're professional bands but the guy i'm dealing with he's he wants to make it work he wants to you know go home and do a new album and come back mm. so he wants to work uh, you know, have a good relationship, um, you know, and, and make it beneficial for both of us, which is really good. But, um, yeah, at the same time, you know, he's relaxed in some regards. We're like, yeah, yes, oh, we don't need a full backline of like, 20 marshals or anything like that. So, so that's cool. He goes, oh, we'll, 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 you know, share this gear if we need to or anything like that. So it, it's good to find guys like that who you can, um, not only find guys work close by, but you know, they don't expect you to put, you know, pay the world as well. Like they're, they're happy to negotiate and, and work out what's best for both of us. Yeah. So that's, that's been really refreshing with these guys. They're like, yeah, so they're like back home or anywhere they go. They're a very popular band, um, but they know it's not their full-time job as well. So they're sort of just, they're still working jobs like what we are, you know, so, but mm. they just happen to be really, really popular. <laughs> well, and the other thing that's interesting, and I'm sure like, I mean, you know, given given your location, the guys from Soundworks, Dicey and Brad, um, you know, and Brad's obviously expanded the business considerably over the last few years. But I mean, yeah. I think what they've done and what they've they've built is that they've they they got some opportunities to begin with and started working with you know individual bands and building relationships. And then, um, at least from my pers- perspective, anyway, is that they've they've through trial and error, they've worked out what works and what doesn't. But more importantly, they've built a reliability with the contacts that they've worked with where good news travels. And so when people start talking about, you know, oh, I'd love to tour Australia one day, and then suddenly it's like, well, you should contact Stu from Stormrider. And you've got a good experience from a band. And I think fantastic that the first band that you're you're dealing with is a band like Dragonland because, yes, they they do have a legacy in Europe and they do have popularity and they've got some guys in that band that um, do other amazing things as well. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, brownie points there as far as um, really sort of establishing yourself as, as a go-to for, for other bands in that domain where suddenly you can create a framework that makes sense for other bands to, to take on, take on that risk or to, to give it a shot and say, you know, we're going to come down and have a great time. And we understand these are the expectations. And we know from these guys who have been out there, what to expect as well. So then suddenly everyone's far more accommodating and wants to work together. And then you get creative and then more opportunities come off the back of that. I'm sure that's what, you know, Brad and Dicey worked on for, for years and years to get to the point that, um, you know, especially what Brad's doing now. Oh, no doubt, man. And, And those guys have been a big help for me too. Like they're, the door's always open and they're, they're great friends, those two. And, and I know if I've got a question, I can ask them without any real fear, which is really good. And, you know, and Darcy's rung me a couple of times since the tour has been announced and offered his, you know, oh man, if you need anything, man, just fucking let me know. And so, they, you know, and then one thing I sort of said to them, well, I said to Darcy, and he was like, 
you know, please don't think I'm trying to compete with you guys. I'm going to take over. <laughs> like, yeah, because I'm definitely not. If anyone else up there would think that, that's because I know there's a lot of promoters out there in the water. I, I'm not a full time job or anything like that for me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, cut grass and other people's tours or anything like that. Like, everyone's doing such a good job. I just want to bring out a band that no one else is going to bring out. So, and give, you know, put on a cool show. So, yeah, I, yeah and, and I think it's lucky for me that because Brandon Dicey really loved the fucking extreme stuff. And I know they've toured other bands like Symphony X and, and Iced Earth and that. But for me, like, they do such a different um, genre that, you know, I don't ever have to worry about, you know, I, I, you know even if we both have shows on in the same month, they're, they're different. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to feel like I'm going to be either going to get steamrolled by their massive tour that's going to crush me, <laughs> which is probably more the case because they do so many, so many big shows these days. Um, but at least it, it just, I feel like it's a little bit of a niche, even though we're both in Perth and we're both doing a similar sort of thing with, with like in terms of being gigs out or whatever, it's, um, it's, it's completely different at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you, you carve out, you you carve out your niche and you understand who your, who your potential uh, punter is going to be for your show. And you realize that, yeah, I mean, a lot of us listen to a whole range of different types of music and, and different subgenres of metal. But I mean, ultimately, I guess if you really want to stereotype your, your, your typical uh, or prospect prospective uh, Dragonland fan is going to be very different to somebody who goes and sees, you know, mayhem or, you know, cannibal corpse or, or anything like that. So it's, um, you know, there's if you if you stereotype from a marketing point of view, there, there is no overlap with regard to that. So it's um, you know, and I'm sure like through having relationships with with those guys in particular, just as, as an example, um, you know, there's a lot of crossover with agents. You know, so those guys would know a whole range of different agents through North America and Europe and and other areas where they might have several artists on a roster, and you know, three quarters of them might be extreme metal, but there might be some melodic metal on there as well, and so. You know, there's there's no doubt uh, other potential opportunities there where you know Pratt and Dicey might go. Oh, look, we're not. There's no way in hell we're going to tour that band. But hey, Stu, um, what do you think? You know, <laughs> yeah, hey, right. there's no way we're going to handle a power metal band. But Stu, Stu might be the guy to, he'll, to he'll, take it he'll on. Take these- Fucking idiots! Yeah, like, actually, he, <laughs> I asked him. I asked Dicey, like, you know, if I ever need a tour manager, how much does it cost? And but, but be, bear in mind, it might be really gay power metal. He's like, Sue, I've dealt with a fucking twelve man a cappella squad or something like that. Goes, power metal's a fucking piece of cake. <laughs> like he's, some of the shows, he's like, he's done some weird like driving and tour managing shows. He's me like, I don't know, some. I mean, some of one like a while ago, like there's two twins who are like really big on YouTube or something, and they just like. He goes, it's fucking retarded. There's like a bunch of 12-year-old girls there and these boys are on stage. He goes, like, they're all like yeah, good-looking lads and they're in shape and whatever. And they're just, he goes, like, what the fuck? They just like threw cake at each other for like an hour and a half or something. The girls loved it. Like, he, he was in charge of them for the day. He's like, why do I care? I just sat there and got paid. Like, well, okay. So, he, yeah, he'll, he'll do it. But, um, so yeah, he's, he's no stranger to the, the softer side of things. I think old, old Dicey, but yeah, it, 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 yeah, he might handball me once in a while. Who knows? I've, I've got to get. I've still got to get Dicey on the podcast. I think he's he's starting to wonder why the hell I've not got him on yet. Because I think I've got almost everyone else from Perth on on the podcast so far. But um, well, you've had Brad, haven't you? Yeah, so, I have. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I've I've definitely got to get Dicey on. But um, I think Dicey uh, has definitely copped a lot of a lot of power metal from from us uh, being lord over over the years as well. And he's certainly he's been a massive help with putting on a lot of our shows over the years. And um, 
you know, we've done a little bit of stuff with Soundworks over the years as well. So it's just, um, you know, he's, uh, he's had to, he's had the cop an earful of, uh, of power metal over, over time. So I think, uh, he's, he's pretty good. He's pretty, he's pretty flexible. Oh, he's a good sport. Though. Actually, he did say to me a while ago, we're hanging out and he's like, I'm in the process of putting my 20,000 CDs or whatever it was onto, onto his, um, onto his iPhone or whatever it was. Yeah, or his iPod, sorry. He had like a massive 300 gig iPod or something. So he's like, he's slowly processing, putting every CD he owns onto this thing. And then, um, and he's like, I've got it on random in my car. And I don't know why, but three times now, fucking Silent Nights come on. And I only own three power metal CDs because <laughs> they got it for free. <laughs> and like, and he's like, out of 20,000 songs, your fucking song keeps coming on. And then we're at, I think we're at, Cab was having a party or something like that. And then out of nowhere, like half an hour later, it came on. I'm like, are you kidding me, guys? He's like, I'm pretty sure this is like marked as a favorite. He's like, fuck off, but it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think he might be a closet, closet power metal fan, if not a closet Silent Night fan or something like that. Because, um, yeah, it's just about, you know, it's very convenient how that song, those songs are coming on for him. Like, he doesn't have any of them. So, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, no, I think I think he likes a couple of songs here and there, but um, yeah, I think uh, I think his heart uh, sort of sits more in the uh, the extreme line of things. But uh, no, he's a good I think guy. that my dying bride tattoo gives it away, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Oh, we love you. Actually, the first time I met him was really um, that tour, the first Lord tour that you guys did here, and I came along to the shows. And I remember, like, he was doing your merch or something. And you gave him a shout out on stage. Like, Who's this dicey guy? And uh, that was him there. <laughs> that was before I knew anyone. So yeah, that was cool. You saw oh, me a shirt. Oh, there you go. All right, yeah, bringing people together. There you go, mate. You're, you're like a nucleus. <laughs> That's right. Building, building bridges, building connections with people. Um, everywhere. So. If people want to check out Dragonland, come and see them on the tour. Where where should they go? Where's the where's the resource to or the portal to to get more information? Ah, stormridertouring.com.au. Perfect. And we've recently added a um, a meet and greet at Utopia Records in Sydney as well. So that that's not on the gig poster, but if you go to Utopia's Facebook page or their website, um, you'll be able to find out that info. That's on the, the Tuesday before the tour starts. We're doing a bit of an informal hangout session down there. So it's not going to be usual lineup, uh, you know, lineup and get your shit signed. I think it's going to be more like just hanging out and chatting. So it's actually going to be pretty cool. Like you get more than 10 seconds, like what you normally might get at some other meet and greet. So, um, yeah, yeah. If you're in Sydney, come to that as well. Should be good. It's a, it's a great, great opportunity for people to, um, get up and close and potentially annoy some people that, uh, do really good things in metal. So, and I use that word annoy very, uh, you know, very tame. Yeah? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, Please uh, don't harass them. No, don't <laughs> harass do them. But you know, look guys, I mean, I know a lot of musos listen to this, but you know, there's, there's always networking opportunities out there. So, you know, take, take the Tuesday off, go into the city and go and go and get a beer or something like that and uh, make some new friends. Cause I'm sure that, um, so, what's, what's the girl at nice Utopia? Guys. That's near a um, crossroad from a pub now, isn't it? So I've heard. It is. It is. It yeah, is, uh, I think old uh, old buddy Dave Balfour was like, "We'll get beers afterwards." And these guys are up to drink, man. So if you guys want to come down, it's at four thirty. Oh. I don't know what the city's like. I don't know how it works. Like, what time? To, I don't know how Sydney works. No one drives there because there's too much traffic or something. But um, <laughs> so but if you get there at four thirty, I think we'll be there till five thirty, and then I'm sure we'll be far away. So you know, if you if you want to come down and just show these guys, there's only landing on Tuesday morning as well. So it's, it's going to be a case of like, if you're in Sydney, come and just make it feel welcome. Show them what Australia is all about. And, you know, just, just hang out. You know, you don't have to, don't have to fanboy and stress out. Just, just be cool and buy the guys a drink and chat metal and they'll be, they'll love it. 
they're they are very nice guys and so it's a good opportunity to to make some new friends so i'm sure they'll be um they'll be quite stoked to be able to to meet some new aussies um they've met a few along the way but um yeah i think uh i think it's a it's a good opportunity if people are able to and and at 4 30 as well that's perfect you know, there's town hall train stations right up the road so you can catch a train straight in um take the arvo off and uh go and go and have some beers Excellent. Actually, this is information I don't know. So I'm, I'm, I've only been to Utopia once, and I think it used to be at a different spot back then. Yeah, I don't moved, even know. It's moved it, a few times. Is it on George Street or something? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I went there in like 2001. I met Dave Mustaine and Al Petrelli there, and I lined <laughs> up forever. Yeah. I remember that day. That was, and, I, and I blew my 10 seconds. I just I, My tongue got stuck in my mouth, and I couldn't move it. So well, that, that wasn't. That, I love you, Dave. Was, yeah, you. well, when I couldn't even get that out, I was like, I remember actually because like you had to have your CD out ready to get signed. This is back when we had those CDs that kids don't have now. And Al Petrelli was first, and I chatted to him. He was pretty cool. And then I got to Dave, and I was like, "This is like 2001, by the way." So I was like, only just turned 18, a long time ago. And I remember he had it was like a it was the um, cover for you know the greatest hits, the uh, no no the uh, Megadeth era, Capital Capital uh, era, or whatever. Yeah, it was. yeah, the Capital Punishment one. Capital Punishment, the Megadeth era, yep. not a greatest hits record. Yeah, so it was that one I had with me. And he had like a black pen, but I brought a silver Sharpie. And I, I remember saying, he was back to sign. I said, oh, would you mind using this? And he sort of stopped and looked at me and slowly took it from my hand and signed it. And I said, can we have a photo? And he looked at, he was just turned his head and looked. And then I couldn't get anything else out. I wanted to tell him something. And I was like, oh, I waited three hours for that. That's <laughs> really cool. I was like still loving it. I was like, I shook you, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> luckily, I've, I've met, um, luckily, I've been a bit cooler with Ellison since then, but not, not so much. I haven't had any second shot with Mustaine yet. So I have to wait, bide my time. I think maybe in another few years, I can have another crack at that. Oh. <laughs> Do it over. I reckon, you'll, I reckon you'll get your opportunity. I reckon I will too. I'm just going to bide my time, mate. Just, just. Patiently, just wait. That's, it. That's, That's cool. Keep keep uh, keep rehearsing in front of the mirror. That's right. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you've got time, man. <laughs> then one day I'll get the James Hetfield experience if I'm lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and then, actually, when I was hanging out with um after the last Iron Maiden tour, we went to the hotel with a couple of guys and you were there. They were staying there, and um and yeah, the guys were in the bar. Yannick Gers, very lovely. Dave Murray, very lovely. And then we we're just chilling out. And Steve Harris walked in with his entourage, and I didn't even bother him. But I was like, I was like, that's one I wanted to talk to the most. Did not want to be. Didn't look like he wanted to be talked to. He just, he sort of just went straight from the door. We were just, they had to walk past the bar to get to the elevator, so he just sort of went beelined it. So I was like, I'll leave him alone. There'll be another day for that one. That's all right. Yeah, yeah your, your time yeah. will come. Yeah, yeah. After Nick and McRain told me to fuck off. <laughs> Did he? He did. He was there with a couple of his old old digger mates having a drink, and I was like, I shook his hand as he walked past me, and then I went and me and a couple of other boys were there, wanted to get a photo, and he's like, Ah, fuck off, mate. And then his mates like, Go on, do it for him, give him one, give him the ladder photo. And he's like, All right, then, lad. And he just stands there, and he looks at the thing, and he goes, All right, now, now fuck off. <laughs> Thank you, mate. <laughs> he's an old, but then again, yeah, these guys, he's like in his sixties or something, isn't he? He's an old digger. Yeah, he's, he's probably yeah, his slippers on as well. He's in the bar with his like old man slippers, so it's pretty pretty funny. <laughs> that's that's when you just don't. He gives zero fucks. You just don't care anymore. Oh yeah, he's like he's, oh, he's this pajamas, is me. This is me. Love me or leave me. Whatever. <laughs> that's right. I've done my job. Leave me alone. You're not supposed to even be here, guys. And then I, and then actually, Dave Murray had two drinks in his hand. Right, he just got them, and he looked at me. He goes, "Do you want one of these drinks?" I said. Yeah, sure, man. I have, and then, like, I, I finished it. And then I said to the guy at the bar, I said, I'm taking this glass home. He's like, why? So he said, Dave Murray gave me a fucking drink out of it. He's like, 
All right. So I just I took this glass <laughs> home, right? I'm actually looking at it right now. It's on my shelf in my office here. I was every Friday night when I was having a booze, I'd use my Dave Murray glass. And I call it my Dave Murray I would call it my Dave Murray glass and my wife got so shitty, she's like, Stop using that. Stop calling it the Dave Murray glass because it looked just like our other ones, but it was like about two millimeters shorter and a little bit heavier. And I was like, I could tell the difference between all these other glasses. And like, I kept putting it in the dishwasher and she kept going, you got to wrap that up and put it away. I said, I want to enjoy using it. And then like, eventually the dishwasher broke it and cracked it. Oh no. So now now it's on my shelf repaired, but out of action now. I can't drink out of it anymore. You can just look and admire it. I'm looking at it right now and it's, that's a great memory. I it had a vodka and lime in there, and it was given to me by Dave Murray. So, do you have that, Andy? Do you have one of those? I, I do not. I do not. You've got well, one up on me. I've got something. I, I know you've sold a cup online for twenty dollars or something. <laughs> that stupid mug. Or <laughs> whatever that was. So imagine what I could sell this for. <laughs> oh, mate! I think you could. I think if you can get a good get a good story around it, which you've which you've just uh, well, yours was all speculative it. too, wasn't it? Yours, yours wasn't even true. You just speculated mine, what it could have done. Mine, mine was just. <laughs> Mine was just from an op shop. I just made up a story. So it, <laughs> it was worked, a good day. It worked out well. Proved 20, your wife 20, wrong. Yeah. yeah, twenty bucks for what looked like an, an egg cup. So it was, <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty good. We we're going to throw it in the op shop bin, but uh, made twenty made twenty from it. So uh, yeah, no, it all all worked out well. Excellent. Well, I'll put all the links, everything to the Dragonland tour, to Silent Night, to Advantage. I love that pun. Uh, there'll be heaps of info there, but, uh, Stu, I'll let you enjoy your Sunday. Um, and thank you for getting up early. I'm, I'm not sure what you do on a normal Sunday, but, um, you know, you're a couple of hours behind me. So thanks for getting up and, and having a chat with me. Oh, mate, that's no worries at all. Thanks for having me, mate. And that's, uh, yeah, always a pleasure to, uh, I, when I, when I listen to your podcast now, I'll hear myself, not just you. So that's good. I, um, also I actually quickly before I go, I, uh, I applauded Riley's one the other day to him. Yep. Riley Strong. I said, maybe next time you and Andy do a podcast, you could try and hold it underwater as a challenge. <laughs> um, because he fucking out-talks the shit out of you, mate. Oh. He destroyed you. <laughs> it was... Usually it's all you just talking. And I like, so I try to hold back and give you a chance to talk. Cause like, you know, cause, but he, 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 that man could talk. He's, a, he's got some stories. And he just, just shut you. Like, I don't, you could just go in for a shit and made a coffee or whatever and come back and still be going. He was, he was a legend. Uh, what a talk. I tell you what. When when we started, and I always do this every time I like I'm about to start an episode with somebody, and we start talking, and and I write out a whole bunch of notes, and that's always my safety net. I never I never really sort of look at it because most of the time the conversation just goes off and and organically sort of builds, and you just go off in whatever direction you know you you go. But sometimes you need it there, and it's your safety net, and it's for those ones where the pe- person turns around and gives you like a one worded answer or just gives you a really crappy answer and it just seems like they're just, you, you got to get blood out of a stone. But when Riley opened his mouth, oh, like this, the weight off my shoulders, I mean, I knew, I knew Riley. Anyway. <laughs> I, I know him and, and he's, he's such a great guy, but um, you, just, you never know. Like even like when I call you up on a, on a early on a Sunday morning, I don't know how, how on you're going to be or how fresh you're going to be to have a, have a lengthy conversation. So when Riley just opened his mouth, I just thought, ah, oh, awesome. I can sit back. And I can just feed off everything that's coming out of his mouth. It was just fantastic. And, uh, and oh, mate, that was a good chat, man. I he's a great it. storyteller, and um, and uh, there's a, there's a few little things that um, he mentioned in there that I think 
I think people that haven't listened to that episode yet, um, I've got to try and highlight online because I think there's a few statements and a few one-liners that he uh, that he made along the way that I think other musos in particular need to need to see and need to hear. So um, I'm going to work on that. So Riley's gonna it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving. I'm going to make sure that Riley becomes the uh, the spokesperson for a lot of DIY metal because um, there's a few nuggets that uh, <laughs> came out of his mouth. What you need to do is open up Canva, yep. which you know about now. Yep. Get a photo of Riley and then type a quote from Riley onto that Canva thing. Oh. And then you've you got an Instagram for days, mate. Look at that. I, I've, I've already done it. <laughs> I've, I've I hope you done. have. <laughs> I, I, I actually, look, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this really quickly. So that Canva thing, that was the entire reason behind it. So what I've done ah. is I've actually started pulling out three to four quotes from each episode. And then I'm doing a little image that has a quote um, from that person then referencing the podcast episode. So the guy that I just had on this week, I've actually started testing this out and I've put one up just to see how it goes and I'm going to start doing it. So I've gone back and I've listened to some of the, the Peter Hobbs uh, episode again and I've pulled out a couple of nuggets from that. I've got Riley's ones there and I'm just going to keep going back because I've got so much content there and I think that's one thing with podcasting, which is a bit of a challenge, is that you've got to convince people to listen to it and podcasting, I think people are, are becoming more accustomed to it and understand the format and where to listen to it, but you still got to convince people and there's a lot of noise out there. And I think by extracting little bits and pieces and little stories here and there and then putting it online in a different way um, will be a bit of a magnet and a bit of a draw card. And there's some pearls that came out of Riley's mouth, which I think people just need to need to see and I think it's going to put him in a good position because it just it's absolute gold oh fuck it man and with mine you can just put him there and have a photo of me and just say Nico McBrain told me to fuck off <laughs> and that will just you know, everyone will just hit subscribe man that will just, that's gold right there done everyone wants to know about how that happened oh that's it absolutely you know what right. I might actually do it I might actually do it alright yeah, anyway, I'll let you go mate go enjoy your Sunday yeah you too Thanks, folks. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Stu. If you want to reach out to Stu, you can do so in a whole range of different ways. He's one of the most approachable people on the internet, I think. Um, to make it really easy, you can go to andysocial.net and click on the show notes and all those links and, and bits and pieces of information will be there. So nice and centralized for you all. However, you can go to advantage.com, which is A-D-B-A-N-D. T-A-G-E.com. You can go to powermetalsupreme.com, which is uh, for Silent Night, his band. And you can go to stormridertouring.com.au for all of the uh, Stormrider Tour um, details, including the Dragonland Tour, which is happening next week as time of this release. So depending on what time you're listening to this, next week is the Dragonland Tour. You've heard the plugs already, but if you want to laminate, if there's any left, email Stu, show your proof of purchase for your ticket. And hopefully there'll be one left for you there. Um, but enough of that. Uh, AndySocial.net, go and check all that out. Thank you so much, Stu, for your support uh, of this podcast, but also being a part of it. Great chats, and no doubt we'll catch up quite a few times uh, in the near future as well. Um, now, before we wrap it up, if you want to support this podcast, you can do so in a whole range of different ways. Buying merchandise uh, via the lord.net.au uh, website or the AndySocial.net website. We've got a whole heap of different stuff there. You can support this podcast with a bit of social media love, liking, tagging, re retweeting, sharing, you know, recommending this episode, this episode and other episodes to, to friends, uh, leaving reviews online, whatever it might be. It all goes a long way. Uh, supporting the, the self-starter podcast as well. I should, I should mention over at selfstarter.com.au. Also, before we wrap it up, I'm just trying to cram as much information into in here as possible. 
Two Lord shows for 2018, September 22nd, Saturday, September 22nd at Max Watts in Melbourne. We are headlining the Metal United Down Under Festival there with a whole range of awesome Australian metal bands there. And we're also doing Saturday, November 3rd at the Bullface Stag in Sydney for day two of the Steel Assassins Festival. You can get tickets to both shows uh, via lord.net.au or the andysocial.net page on the shows tab. Or you can go to Mosh Ticks. Um, they're selling the tickets. And I believe Ozticks are also selling tickets for the uh, not, not the Sydney show, the Melbourne show. Um, either way, lord.net.au is probably the easiest place. If you get lost, let me know and I will guide you to your destination. But that's it, folks. Another episode in the bag. Thanks so much, Stu. Thanks to you all for supporting this podcast. And until next week, take care. ta Larry. Larry, please.